Company, shoulder arm. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. How is everyone doing today? I hope that uh, everyone is having a great, great Tuesday evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to another edition of, you guessed it, The Sea Report. You're in the right place at the right time and the right space. Hope you guys are doing well today. Yeah. See some of you guys kind of uh kind of saw that little video we got to go. It's like, "Oh boy. Everyone uh, the troops are amassing." Is kind of what I was thinking. And uh for those of you who caught that, yes. That indeed, ladies and gentlemen, was a Durham boat. And we were looking at a reenactment of uh Washington crossing. Mhm. You might have guessed it, ladies and gentlemen. You might have guessed it. And uh, I think that means that uh, for tonight, ladies and gentlemen, you might have an idea about uh, what we'll be talking about. Tonight's report is going to be a jam-packed catch-up. Not a catch-up, but a catch-up on what is going on in the world of John Durham, the Durham investigation, the Russia probe. Ah, let's just call it what it is, Obamagate. Ladies and gentlemen, we're finally landing on those sacred banks as uh, we get ready. Ladies and gentlemen, 
the ball is rolling swiftly down the hill at this point. And uh, are you guys ready for some more wins, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, I know these wins that we've been having have been kind of like, meh, you know, they're wins, but uh, they're not without a, uh, not without a, not without some incidents, right? But we got it coming, guys. We got it coming. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a brand new edition of The Sea Report. We're coming to you live today on this Tuesday, February 15th, 2022. And uh, I am your host, Michael Aaron Gossetis, better known as Mr. C around these parts. And I hope you guys are having a wonderful Tuesday afternoon. A lot of stuff is rolling out, guys. But uh, in the field of John Durham and his investigation... And what that means to everyone, yourself and myself as well. All I can say, guys, is, uh, man, we got some catching up to do now. It's been approximately, ah, probably about a month or so, maybe a little bit more since we've uh, talked about the John Durham investigation, the Russia Gate, uh, the Spy Gate, the Obama Gate. What do you want to call it, guys? Russia Gate, Spy Gate, Obama Gate, this this Durham probe that uh, we are all very well quite familiar with in the ranks of the uh, Awake Patriot movement. Uh, we've been following this one close, guys, but um, for all intents and purposes, we'll be honest with you guys. I mean, the Epoch Times put out a stunning infographic that uh, tied everything together like three years ago, four years ago even, so we've known very well about uh, all of the inner workings and everything and uh, how it went pretty much all the ways up to the top. But uh, as we've been waiting for this Durham investigation to produce anything in the field of the judicial, uh, all of it seems to finally be coming out. And it's snowballing rather quickly, ladies and gentlemen. I think many of you guys would probably agree with that. If you've been following the news, so today what we are going to do, we're doing a special Durham investigation report uh, to catch up our viewers and to educate any of those who were not around during this initial push for the investigation with John Durham, the special counsel that is investigating not only the Clinton campaign and the Democrat uh, National Committee, not only the dealings of the CIA and the FBI, not only their connections to actual Russians, guys. So much information has been coming out in the last few days, the last few days alone. We're going to go back a little bit to the start of this now. We've done an analysis and coverage on the John Durham investigation once he started rolling out with brand new indictments that uh, a lot of us were kind of like, whoa, he has not, in fact, now he being John Durham, John Durham has not, in fact, been sitting on a Caribbean island. No telling who's Caribbean island. You don't want anyone that is important to the Patriot community hanging out in the Caribbean. Like, uh, considering what, uh, what they do out there in the Caribbean to children. Yeah, well, he hasn't been, he hasn't been loafing around, uh, you know, on a sandy white beach drinking uh, Mai Tais and Bahama Mamas. Uh, it appears that, uh, there's been a lot of work going on here in uh, regards to, uh, you know, what uh, we want to see with the Durham investigation. So uh, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we will uh, we will kind of do a quick catch up. 
with uh, with the first two indictments. We're not going to get too far into them. We know it was Michael Sussman and Igor Danchenko were the first two indictments to fall. And uh, that alone, ladies and gentlemen, that alone uh, really got the ball rolling. We had what they called speaking indictments, speaking indictments that really laid out the entire blueprint of what was to come. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we will catch you guys up with all of the newest developments since that time. And I think you all will be uh, quite satisfied with the tale that we have to tell today. All right. So welcome, welcome, welcome. There's a lot of new news going on out there, ladies and gentlemen. I got to say, if you're joining us live on this Tuesday evening, your your uh, presence and your spirit is always appreciated. Thank you for hanging out with us. And uh, let me let me just get through the housekeeping real quick, because, guys, you know, there were so many um, articles that really delved into tonight's report. I had my work cut out for me. I was gathering all my images just prior to showtime. And I was like, I need, I just need in my life. I needed a video of a Durham boat. (laughs) And I needed that guys. I needed that because, uh, that's where we are headed tonight, guys. That is where we're headed tonight. We'll have a few Trump statements. Uh, uh, also, of course, to give us an outline for today's show. I mean, it's all coming out, guys. Vindication has been served, it seems. But what will the deep state do about it? And how's the media handling this? I'm pretty sure you guys have a pretty good idea of what the mainstream, lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird propaganda media has to say about all of this stuff, guys. And uh, that's basically nothing, right? But that is to be expected. So uh, tonight's going to be a great, great in-depth look at everything that's going on. Uh, And again, like I said, a lot of us have known uh, much of this information over the past, what, five or six years plus Uh, But it's not until this information reaches the hallowed halls of any type of judiciary that we can really put the uh, we can really put the pedal to the metal. We can put the rubber to the road, uh, because after all, that's the way that has to be done when we're talking about this long game that uh, those who are in uh, cahoots and those who are conspiring, they, that's, what, that's the way it's got to go. And we have to make sure that all of our I's are dotted and all of our T's are crossed, not reverse. Otherwise, it don't mean a lick of nothing. It just boils down to speculation. It boils down to, uh, boils down to hearsay, rumor. It boils down to conspiracy theory until it crosses into that realm of litigation and documentation. So uh, it's going to be a fun evening, ladies and gentlemen, I think. And uh, I've already, I'm already on my second cup of coffee. So uh, there's no telling where this show's going to go. Now we're going to do some real quick housekeeping before we get started. Of course, if you're joining us here at the Sea Report, we are live Monday through Friday. Um, and uh, time's kind of roving between 7 and 8 p.m., but thank you for finding us. If you're joining us over at Rumble, if you're joining us over at Twitch or Clout Hub, many thanks again for hanging out with us. And I would like to say, of course, make sure to follow and or subscribe. Now, all of my content is free. I'll never put it behind a paywall. Uh, but you can get those free subscriptions and you can uh, you can like, you can pass out the links. Uh, that is the best way that you can support this broadcast because, after all, 
when you do it that way, it gets the word out. And the most important thing is not the face and the voice of this here host, ladies and gentlemen. The most important thing is the content and the information that we get out there uh, and that we share it with you guys. And I think uh, just the fact that some of you all uh, like my analysis and like the commentary that I make on this information, because we don't make or break news, we just share the news here. Um, I, I'm actually quite uh, honored and flattered that uh, I get so many of you guys that come back and watch the show and, uh, you know, and laugh and cry with me and, uh, you know, sigh with me and gasp with me when we got some uh, breaking developments. So uh, thank you all again for always sticking around. What I got here on the screen, of course, is if you are a podcast listener, if you prefer to get your news by way of uh, auditory sensory, uh, you can catch the C Report over at our podcast, which is uh, anchor.fm slash the C Report. Or you can just search the C Report on any of your favorite podcast platforms. We are definitely available there for free again. You can always subscribe on a monetary donation uh, basis if you'd like. Again, that would most definitely help our broadcast expand and grow our operations. But not necessary because it will always be free, ladies and gentlemen. So make sure you head over there and you do that. And then I think we got here also, yes, our website, thecreport.com. Uh, this, is a, this is a holder page while we get this website updated and ready to roll. I'm hoping to have it, the new one rolled out by next week because we got a lot of stuff coming up over here behind the scenes and behind the desk of the C-Report. So uh, as we're continuing to develop and grow, we're trying to uh, keep up with um, our expansion. And that includes a better uh, running and looking website with a lot more information and, and not so much a vanity website with just, you know, video clips and pictures of the good old Mr. C there. But, you know, other stuff that's quite helpful. If you go over to thecreport.com right now, we do have live links to any of the bro any of the websites that we broadcast this uh this uh, presentation on. So, you know, you got the foxhole.app, you got pill.net, you got twitch.tv, clouthub, and rumble.com. Uh, that's where you can catch us live, ladies and gentlemen, and that is also where you can catch the replays of this show. And you can definitely uh, catch those over there for sure. Twitch, you yeah, got about 14 days to catch us live, guys. I mean, to catch the replays, but uh, all other mentioned platforms are most definitely a place where you can keep up with all of our reports. And uh, I would definitely recommend it. You know, if you are a live stream user, check out our podcast. If you are a podcast listener, check out our live stream sometimes. Sometimes we have some fun stuff that you can only catch on the live. You know, like, you know, the silly photographs of the swamp creatures. I usually like to share with the friends and family and uh, the audience and viewers. Yeah, that's that's always a fun time. You know, you get, you get that dimension of uh, what we report here over at the Sea Report. And uh, it's great for that. It's great for that. If you're hanging out over there at the foxhole.app or pill.net, good evening, family and friends. I hope you guys had a wonderful Valentine's Day yesterday, and I'm glad to see you joining us live. Uh, we got uh, Pilled by the Rabbit, who's a working and a lurking. Railanon, who's always present. Good evening, sir. Thank you for donating the gold pills uh, to the show. Connie Ketchup is also hanging out. What's up, Connie Ketchup? Uh, let's see here. And uh, <laughs> Connie Ketchup says, I think it's funny that the quarters had a bat on them. Then a new coin appears with Washington crossing the Delaware. Yeah, that's what we had going on there. Washington uh, crossing the in his Durham boat. Right. That was that was to prove that point, ladies and gentlemen. 
Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we played we played footage of uh, uh what is it when they do reenactments? We had, that's the best I could find. Hey, I'll take it. We had some we had some burly bear drinking reenactors of Washington crossing the Delaware in a Durham boat. Just to give you guys a little hint about what uh, we were talking about today. Oh, and looks like we had a uh, blocked user as well. Yeah, we had one of those troublemakers. We don't get troublemakers too often over there at foxhole.app and pilled.net. But uh, every now and then, you know, some someone someone will pop up and they'll be like, Hey, your show's uh, better than mine and I'm jealous. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and try and, uh, you know break your concentration over there. That's just my auspices, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know that to be a fact. You guys know that I don't like to toot my own horn, even though uh, sometimes I get quite gassy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so let's go ahead and jump into, because we've got a lot of ground to cover today, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a lot of ground to cover. I'll let you know that today's show will be video free. So you're going to have Mr. C talking with you guys a lot. Like I said, I'm already onto my second cup of joe here. My my uh, my nice americano. Through I threw a tab of chocolate in there, you know, just to sweeten it up a little bit, but you know, preferably I take my espresso, my americano straight. Uh, made them nice and strong. So just watch out now, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's start with some Trump statements for today. I'm pretty sure you guys can guess where these statements are going to go. Considering the topic for tonight, what do we got here? This is coming to us from February 12th. February 12th. Oh, this began a few days ago, guys. The boss was speaking out about uh, what was happening in the news, or I should say, the real news, the independent patriot media. It says here, the latest pleading from special counsel Robert Durham provides indisputable evidence that my campaign and presidency were spied on by operatives paid by the Hillary Clinton campaign in an effort to develop a completely fabricated connection to Russia. This is a scandal far greater in scope and magnitude than Watergate. And those who were involved in and knew about this spying operation should be subject to criminal prosecution. In a stronger period of time in our country, this crime would have been punishable by death. In addition, reparations should be paid to those in our country who have been damaged by this. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, did you ever think that you would hear President Trump use a word like reparations? Uh, But I think these reparations are merited considering a lot of people's lives were destroyed through the course of this scandal, through the course of this conspiracy. And it is, uh, I think this is well-founded. Now, this is where I was kind of like, President Trump just called John Durham, Robert Durham. What's up with that? You know, because I don't, I don't do any of the uh, connect the dots activity. I don't do any deltas. I don't do any of that stuff. I don't, all I know is that those types of things are rather intentional. So I was like, is he talking about Robert Mueller? Is he talking about, is, is that why he said Robert Durham? Is Mueller going to get pulled into this? I wouldn't doubt if at some point he does, especially when we get to a bit of information about IG Horowitz and the work or lack of work that the man did, or maybe the cover that uh, IG Horowitz might have been providing for deep state operatives. Well, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, because that story is coming up tonight as well. Of course, my highly educated and astute audience informed me that Robert Durham is the name of the man that made the Durham boats, which made our little opening a little bit just that much more appropriate, ladies and gentlemen. 
because it seems here that we are at that crossing the Delaware moment, don't you think? Don't you think where we're finally going on the offensive, we're not going on the defensive, and uh, the Dems, the progressives, the communists, the socialist sympathizers are going to be on the run, and they are going to be fighting for their lives, ladies and gentlemen, and literally, that's where we are right now. I mean, yes, guys, I know. I know, I know, Putin just made a fool out of NATO, the deep state department, Ned Price, Jake Sullivan, who is also coming up later on in this show. I know, I know, it's working, guys. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. The whole point of this mass of buildup, it seems, was to get the mainstream media out on a limb with their propaganda. And just as they were going to strike... They're supposed to strike tomorrow. What do they do? They pull their troops back. Is this a ruse? Or is this just part of exposing the lies, propaganda, and spin that this dishonorable media uses to prey upon its viewers and its audiences? Yeah, that's big news, guys. You got to believe it. When I was sitting there on the john and I was like, ha! Russia's pulling back their troops! People are like, what are you doing in there, Mr. C? Uh, <laughs> don't worry, guys. Don't worry, guys. I don't often get into the toilet humor, but uh, we'll leave the throne out of this for the rest of the show. Now, let's go ahead and talk about the next statement from President Trump. This one comes from the 13th. What has President Trump got to say about that? I mean, this is all... You see why they needed a war, right? Because all of this... This is, this is a much higher higher complexity than just a pincer move. Like, they're not just coming at the deep state from two sides. They're coming at them in, like, 5D, ladies and gentlemen. They're like, this is like a cubic move. You know, like, they're coming from the top, the bottom, the left, the right, the north, the south, the east, the west, and they've got them boxed in. So that war, ladies and gentlemen, would definitely have been a good cover. It would have been a good way to, uh, because that, that caged animal that caged animal known as the deep state globalist transhumanist filth trash, they, uh, they would have used nuclear and death and destruction. That's, that's their caged animal moment, you know, definitely their caged animal moment. Uh, let's see what this statement has to say from President Trump. What Hillary Clinton and the radical left Democrats did with respect... Oh, with respect to spying on a president of the United States. You think there was a pun intended in that? Even while in office is a far bigger crime than Watergate. It will be interesting to see how it was covered by the media. We'll talk about that later. And what Mitch McConnell and the rhinos will be doing about it. This is an insult to the Republican Party, but a far greater insult to our nation Covered by a powerfully, uh, covered very powerfully this morning by Fox and Friends and, of course, Maria Bartiromo. Well, good old Maria, who used to be part of the establishment, who may still be. I hear she came from the, uh, I came here, she came, I heard she came from the banks of the uh, World Economic Forum. I don't know, I haven't really dug into that, but if it's true, maybe Maria Bartiromo has gotten a sense of redemption in her soul. Maybe Maria Bartiromo is trying to save herself before the firing squad. I don't know. I don't pay attention much to her unless she has someone interesting, uh, you know, on her, uh, 
her program there to interview. So yeah, well, there is that statement from President Trump. All right. Whoa, it's the man himself, John Durham. Okay. Well, I guess we're going to get to business, huh, sir? Let's get, he's like, all right, Mr. C, I'm watching you. (laughs) All right, guys, just so you know, I don't make this stuff up myself. We got reports coming to some to us from some great resources. The Epoch Times, the Gateway Pundit, Just the News, Breitbart, Real Clear Investigations. Uh, who else do we got here? The Conservative Treehouse Technofog, covering all of this information for us, ladies and gentlemen, so we can uh, we can uh, grasp it, digest it, and uh, add it to our collection. We have a dishonorable, dishonorable mention from the Daily Mail, but hey, they're giving us uh, a viewpoint that I think is worth kind of looking at. So we'll take it, ladies and gentlemen, we'll take that for show with a grain of salt and a lot of enjoyment, undoubtedly. Okay, guys, so the uh, the Durham investigation, what is going on with this Durham probe? Now, where we left off, for those of you who uh, view, watch, listen to the Sea Report and keep up with what we cover, Uh, We covered the Michael Sussman indictment. Of course, that is the former Clinton IT lawyer, also formerly associated with Perkins Coy. We got another lawyer that was formerly associated with Perkins Coy that we'll be talking about a little bit later on tonight, most uh, satisfyingly. We know that he was indicted because he was charged with lying to the FBI. Okay, he is, of course, pled innocent. Now, that was the first step in this snowball that has since uh, began to uh, garner, uh, you know, emotion and speed. A lot of people saying, hey, you know, when you get an indictment like this, you know, for, for lying to the FBI, you know, you can, you can wrap that up in two or three pages worth of charge from the, uh, the charging uh, attorney. And what the heck was John Durham doing releasing like, what, a 27, 30-something page indictment on Michael Sussman? And of course, what that revealed to us, ladies and gentlemen, is that uh, there was a lot more to come. And in that first indictment to drop, at least on this side of uh, 2020, right, we had, a, we had almost what seemed like a blueprint of a much larger investigation that has been going on behind the scenes that seems to have been almost dead and vacant. I mean, we were like, hey, Durham's over there on the beach with, uh, you know, the Beluga Well, B2 Bomber, big old Billy Boobs Bob Bar. And they've just been drinking and, you know, enjoying the sun. They don't seem to be doing much. But, uh, of course, when this indictment dropped, we found out, oh, well, looks like John Durham might have been busy. He might have gotten lost on the Delaware, John Durham. But I think he found his way. You know what I mean? And then uh, let's see here. Did I have that? I guess I, I guess I had an image of Michael Sussman. Yeah, there we go. There's the man himself. The first, the first nail to drop or hammer to drop. The first hammer, nail to get hit on the head with the hammer. That was Michael Sussman. Like I said, this side of 2020, 2021. And reviving the John Durham investigation in the hearts of mo- and minds of patriots everywhere, revitalizing the faith that we can have in justice. But then the question is, where does it go from there? 
ladies and gentlemen. Next up, we had Igor Danchenko. Look at this nasty-looking little Russian here. Russian? What? Russian? Russian collusion? Is that what we mean here when we're talking about Danchenko? Russian collusion? Yeah. Well, what, what was going on with uh, this Danchenko guy? Now, Danchenko, in this indictment... Well, 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 let's just say it. He was an ol- he's an oligarch who has lied to the FBI about the origin of the Russian dossier. The Russian dossier. Wait, he's a Russian oligarch? Wait a minute here. So the question is, who was really colluding with Russians? Uh, we're not talking about, uh, we're not talking about uh, Clinton's dealings with Putin now. Obviously not. How many times have Democrats and the Clinton campaign colluded with Russia? Well, that's a good question. This is just one of the times, ladies and gentlemen. A brief overview of the Danchenko indictment and case. Danchenko, a Russian-born U.S.-based researcher, had worked from 2005 to 2010 at the Brookings Institute with a fellow named Strobe Talbot, who is a former official for the Clinton State Department. That's Bill Clinton State Department, this Strobe Talbot. Now later, he became the main source, this Danchenko guy, for the Russian, or I should say the Russian source, for the British spy known as Christopher Steele. Now, uh, Christopher Steele is the guy who compiled the fraudulent Russian dossier, the PP dossier, that uh, everyone used against President Trump, and I might add, most annoyingly, we had uh, we had all of the left, you know, pawns and uh, and um, uh, all of the left, you know, sleepers out there. I'm talking about the Democrat people. I'm talking about the liberals out there, left-leaning liberals. I'm talking about everyone who suffered from Trump derangement syndrome. Going up to you and being like, well, President Trump and the Russian dossier and PP this and PP that. You see, he's a bad guy. He colluded with Russia, according to the Russian dossier. Yeah, that was annoying for us to combat, but I'm sure President Trump was much more annoyed. He was like, look, maybe Michael and Barry got jiggy with it in that presidential suite over at that hotel. But that is something that President Trump did not do. I mean, it was trash, ladies and gentlemen. And trash begets trash. What kind of trash creates a trashy dossier like that? I mean, immediately you would think this is just not real, okay? It's just not real. Well, we see that um, this dossier which was put together by Christopher Steele with this uh, origin point, Danchenko, was, uh, was um, um, uh, composed on behalf of Fusion GPS. I mean, these are all the things that we know already. We're just catching you guys up. And uh, we're educating those who are stumbling upon this information for the first time. Now, Fusion GPS was paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee. Ladies and gentlemen, the dossier was then fed to the FBI and to the press, the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda media, and it was also used to secure FISA surveillance warrants that were utilized against innocent Trump aide Carter Page, someone who might be deserving of those reparations that President Trump mentioned. 
Now, through Page's communications, the Clinton-friendly Obama administration had visibility into President Trump's campaign. So they could spy on this campaign through those FISA surveillance warrants that were handed to them with the approval of this now debunked Russian dossier. Now, like I said, we don't need to get into the story about the prostitutes and uh, what these alleged prostitutes and President Trump did up there in that presidential suite. But Danchenko is now being charged with lying to the FBI about whether or not his source for Trump's stay and alleged activity in the Moscow Hotel was true. And that pretty much brings us up to date with what we've covered about the Russian dossier and the Durham probe. Now, with the Danchenko indictment, Durham made clear that the Clinton campaign was now in the crosshairs, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Now, this is where things start to get a little bit thick. Let's take a look over here at this article that comes to us from Just the News. And this article, as I said, Durham's indictment makes it pretty clear that the Clinton campaign is in the crosshairs. And they really want to know if the Clinton campaign was aware. Because as you read the indictments, of course, you figure out that, hey, everyone knew that this was fake from the jump. So is justice going to be served? Or is it just going to be us on the sidelines waiting for it? Let's see what this article says about that. All right. It says here, uh, Durham zeroes in on Clinton campaign could call some aides to testify. Court memo reveals... New court filings in Steele dossier source Igo Danchenko's criminal case shows prosecutors want to know if Clinton campaign knew false intel was going to the FBI. An expert calls it an incredible twist. That would be uh, Cash Patel, who called it an incredible twist. Hillary Clinton's team long fought to keep its ties to Christopher Steele's dossier from public view, but special counsel John Durham is now making clear he has a strong interest in her campaigns behavior during the Russia collusion probe. He is, even in, he is even suggesting some of her aides could be summoned as trial witnesses. Durham's earth-shaking revelations made, uh, came inside a routine court filing this month in the case of Igor Y. Danchenko, a Russian analyst who was a primary source in 2016 for Steele's dossier. Now, uh, Danchenko has been charged with repeatedly lying to the FBI during the Russia collusion probe and has pleaded innocent. Durham's motion asked the presiding judge to determine whether Danchenko's lawyers, Danny Honorado and Stuart Sears, of the Schertler, Ornato, Mead and Sears law firm pose a conflict of interest because the firm also represents the Hillary for America campaign as well as several former campaign officials in matters before the special counsel. The Clinton campaign financed the, uh, oopsies, sorry guys, let me turn that down real quick. I'm going to have to, uh, my apologies, ladies and gentlemen, let me just mute that tab. Okay, it says here, the Clinton campaign financed the opposition research reports, colloquially known as the dossier, 
that are central to the indictment against the defendant, the Durham team stated in the motion. Accordingly, for the reasons set forth below, the government respectfully requests that the court inquire into the potential conflict issues set forth herein. Prosecutors said they want to know what the Clinton campaign knew about the accuracy of the Steele dossier's now discredited allegations of Trump-Russia collusion and whether any campaign representatives directed, solicited, or controlled Janchenko's activities assisting Steele. The interests of the Clinton campaign and the defendant could potentially diverge in connection with any plea discussions, pre-trial proceedings, hearings, trial, and sentencing proceedings the prosecutors told the court, often referring to the Steele dossier as company reports. For example, the Clinton campaign and the defendant each might have an incentive to shift blame and or responsibility to the other party for any allegedly false information that was contained within the company reports and or provided to the FBI. The Durham filing stated, moreover, it is possible that one of these parties might also seek to advance claims that they were harmed or defrauded by others' action statements or representations. So what we're seeing here, ladies and gentlemen, is that not only is the Durham probe or investigation looking into whether or not Clinton's campaign knew that the dossier was a FOP, but they're also ensuring that no one within the campaign or anyone within the sphere of this investigation can shift the blame away. So by getting ahead of the bullet, they're making sure that they can uh, basically uh, call in who they need, hold them accountable, and make sure that there's no conflict of interest here, guys. Now, I'm just going to say real quick, in case uh, we get disrupted over on the foxhole or at pill.net, um, supposedly I have secured a bunker for you guys. So if someone over there at Foxhole or Pilled wouldn't mind slipping into the bunker and letting me know if we're live there and if it is secure, I would most definitely appreciate it. And then that way, uh, in case we lose connection over there, we can, uh, you guys can jump into the bunker and still enjoy the show. And much, uh, much definitely would I appreciate that. And, uh, hey, WC Cranop. And uh, Anka Banka, good evening. How are you guys doing tonight? Thank you for gifting the shades. Swamp Creatures asks WC Craynot, Mr. C, I'm eating here, man. I'm. <laughs> hey, we're going to have some Swamp Creatures on the show tonight, Mr. Craynop. So, uh, well, hopefully it doesn't repeat on you, my buddy. Hopefully it doesn't repeat on you. Okay, and the speaking easy. What's going on, sir? Good to have you in the audience. So good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Good to see you guys out there. All right, let's finish up with this article here from Just the News. It says, for the first time, Durham also raised the possibility aides to Hillary Clinton could testify at Danchenko, at Danchenko's trial. In the event that one or more former representatives of the Clinton campaign who are represented by defense counsel's firm are called to testify at any trial or other court proceedings, the defendant and any such witness would be represented by the same law firm resulting in a potential conflict of interest. Now, isn't that interesting? See, Durham's making sure that they cannot escape the law here and that, uh, you know, there's, like I said, no conflict of interest here. We can't have a Clinton representative who's being represented by the defense counsel's firm, hello, <laughs> being called to testify. I mean, yeah, there's, there could be a bit of canoodling there if that were to happen, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Now it says, and for one of the first times, Durham's team declares to a court what it believes 
was the political motive for the Clinton campaign to pay its law firm, Perkins Coy, to then hire the Fusion GPS investigative firm, to then hire the retired MI6 agent, Christopher Steele, to then write the anti-Trump Russia reports known as the dossier. The Clinton campaign through law firm one, which would be Perkins Coy, and U.S. investigative firm one, which would be Fusion GPS, commissioned and financed the company reports, which is the Steele dossier, in an attempt to gather and disseminate derogatory information about Donald Trump, the filing stated. In all, the latest Durham court, court filing identifies five areas where the prosecutor's case may, be, may pose a conflict, including the Clinton campaign's knowledge or lack of knowledge concerning the veracity of information in the dossier created by Steele with help from Danchenko, the Clinton campaign's awareness or lack of awareness of the defendant's collection methods and subsources, meetings or communications between the Clinton campaign, Fusion GPS, and Steele regarding or involving Danchenko, the defendant's knowledge or lack of knowledge regarding the Clinton campaign's role in and activities surrounding the Steele dossier, and the extent to which the Clinton campaign or its representatives directed, solicited, or controlled Danchenko's activities. On each of these issues, the interest of the Clinton campaign and the defendant may diverge, the court filing explained. The memo gives the most detailed explanation to date of Durham's interest in the Clinton campaign and its potential exposure in his criminal investigation, surprising even some veteran Russian gate investigators. Now, uh, this is from a, this is a statement by Cash Patel. He says he is moving forward methodically against the largest organized criminal enterprise to ever take down a presidential election. Now, keep in mind, Cash Patel is the former chief investigative counsel for the White House Intelligence Committee, and Patel also worked with Representative Devin Nunes, the committee's chairman, to expose the bogus Russia collusion narrative as a political dirty trick that fed opposition research to the FBI to cause Trump to be investigated under false pretenses. Patel is also a former federal prosecutor and advisor to Trump, and he told John Solomon on John Solomon Reports podcast that the memo is an unbelievable twist. All right, so that from a memo that was coming from, uh, from a filing from John Durham. Oh, there's the man again. We got Durham. Durham's eyes will be watching. You ever heard that phrase, the eyes of Texas are upon you? <laughs> the eyes of Durham are upon you, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So you, can, can you see through that filing where John Durham put this uh, motion to ensure that there was no conflict of interest, meaning no one could wiggle their way out from under his thumb? He created like a check and a balance, a checkmate. Well, not to checkmate just yet, guys. We're getting there. But that was definitely a check and a balance against any of that otherwise wiggle room that these uh, bad actors could have gotten away with. Let's talk about this creep. Let's talk about this communist sympathizing progressive radical who does everything he can to subvert the Constitution and our elections Mark Elias. Now, I may not have been the first one to say it, 
but I think I was, at least in this uh, in this sphere. When Mark Elias departed from Perkins Coy, I was like, Durham's after him. He's separating himself because Durham is after this man, okay? Oh, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. The question is, when would the hammer come swinging? Or maybe maybe we should say, when would the boomerang come swinging back at Mark Elias, okay? Mark Elias, the dirty Hillary Clinton lawyer, Democrat National Committee operative, like... This man has been a pain in the side of liberty, the Constitution, and this republic for God knows who, how long. It's about time he started to feel the pressure, ladies and gentlemen. It's about time that he started to feel the pressure. Now, we had an article come out of Technofog. Uh, and, that, and I don't think we've ever featured a Technofog article here over at the Sea Report um, but the beautiful thing about this, guys, like I said, Durham releases like this 27-page report, this 35-page report, and the Danchenko and the Sussman indictments, respectively, with this entire backstory. Like, we're talking like, you know, a, a great script for, an, you know, a, a, a straight-to-video movie <laughs> for for any type of uh, of. Um, soap opera out there a political soap opera where did durham come up with all this information well clearly he had been doing his work he had been doing his work but i think the best thing that we could have seen recently uh, we found out from technofog there was a january 25th filing that's 2022 from john durham where it is revealed that this snake of a rat of a lawyer of a human being, treasonous turncoat working against America, has given grand jury testimony. Ha! How does it feel, Mr. Elias? Dare I call you Mr.? Let's take a look at that Technofog article. Oh, goodness, it was so great to see. So I was like, man, I've been, I've been behind on the Durham stuff. DNC lawyer Mark Elias has given grand jury testimony and the criminal investigation of Sussman is ongoing. So they haven't stopped with Michael Sussman yet, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no, 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 no. This is most definitely still under under investigation. The, it, the investigation continues. Article says... Today, special counsel John Durham provided a discovery update to the court in the Michael Sussman case. In this filing, he disclosed that his team has obtained a tremendous amount of information ranging from a variety of sources, including Perkins Coy, the Hillary Clinton campaign, and former DNC Clinton lawyer Mark Elias. Now, I wonder what's up with this. Now... Technofog, as well as the Epoch Times, are misspelling Mark Elias' name. Now, I, I kind of wonder if maybe that's to kind of, like, protect themselves. Now, I say that because, you know, I was giving Epoch Times a hard time because they really have dropped the ball on election integrity and stories about election fraud. I mean, they've dropped that ball pretty hard, ladies and gentlemen. I... I give them some relief and say, okay, well, you know, I know they, they were sued also by Dominion and Smartmatic and all of them. And so I'm like, okay, 
because up until up until those um those uh, those suits were filed, they were on fire, guys. What I will say is the Epoch Times has done an outstanding job of keeping up with this story. And in fact, they are the ones who released the infographic that connected all the dots for us like four or five years ago. So they've done a great job in that event. But uh, I did notice that they, along with Technofog, have been misspelling the name of Mark Elias. And maybe it's... uh, So when people are searching out Mark Elias, uh, they won't get any lawsuits going their way. I don't know. But they are spelling it wrong. It's M-A-R-C. I know that's like, uh, that's really small potatoes compared to the story that we're sharing here, but it's an interesting factoid, okay? Robert Durham, hello. (laughs) Anyways, back to this article. It says, while Sussman has been charged with giving false statements to then FBI general counsel James Baker regarding the Alpha Bank Trump organization hoax, Durham notes that the government also maintains an active ongoing criminal investigation of Sussman's conduct. In other words, Sussman's criminal conduct likely is not limited to false statements. There is more, and oh, is there more, guys. If we are to make an educated guess, it may have to do with the conspiracy to accuse the Trump organization of having secret back-channel communications with Alpha Bank. Now, to the evidence. Durham and his team have secured grand jury testimony from former Perkins Coy partner and DNC Hillary Clinton lawyer Mark Elias. Oh, there you go. Now it's spelt correct. Mark Elias, former FBI general counsel James Baker, and current CIA employees. Durham and his team have completed interviews of the following individuals. Former FBI general counsel James Baker, more than 24 other current and former FBI employees, current and former employees of the CIA and DARPA, 12 employees of the internet companies referenced in the Sussman indictment, the former chairman of DNC Clinton law firm Perkins Coy, a former employee of the Clinton campaign, current and former employees of Georgia Tech involved in the Alpha hoax, an employee of tech executive number one, aka Rodney Joffe, not to be confused with Joffe Joffer, but Rodney Joffe, a Sussman client who assisted with the Alpha Bank hoax. But wait, there's more. Durham has also obtained records and documents from the Hillary Clinton campaign, Perkins Coy, Hillary for America, Fusion GPS, a PR firm that advised Perkins Coy regarding public statements about Sussman's meetings with James Baker, phone logs for numerous current and former FBI employees, a classified memorandum and related reports of interviews pertaining to a criminal investigation previously conducted by the U.S. Department of Justice regarding a potential leak of classified information. He also has secured nearly 400 emails between the FBI and Perkins Coy from January 2016 through June 2017. There is also a curious paragraph discussing the fact that Durham in January 2022 learned from the DOJ Inspector General that they possessed two FBI cell phones of the former FBI General Counsel to whom the defendant made his alleged false statement, along with forensic reports analyzing those cell phones. Dun, dun, dun. Durham's team is going through those cell phones now to analyze their contents. Keep in mind, this article is from January 25th. So uh, we uh, we will update you guys with that as this report moves along. 
And there will be more, with Durham stating the government expects to receive an additional information and documents in the coming weeks that may be relevant to charged conduct. While we expected some grand jury testimony, the fact that Mark Elias, again, spelled wrong, the DNC Clinton lawyer was before grand jury, jury is certainly newsworthy. It's possible that Elias's testimony, grammar, was limited to Sussman's involvement in the Alpha Bank hoax. As previously noted, the Sussman indictment provided the, that Durham obtained emails between Elias and Sussman regarding the Alpha Bank allegations. But consider the possibility that Durham has used the crime-fraud exception to compel disclosure of information otherwise subject to privilege and to help elicit testimony. From the indictment, it says, from the filing, it says, under the crime-fraud exception, communications are not privileged when the client consults an attorney for advice that will serve him in the commission of a fraud or crime. To meet this burden, Durham had to show two things. One, that the client was engaged in or planning a criminal or fraudulent scheme when it sought the advice of counsel to further the scheme. And two, that Durham demonstrated the attorney-client communications for the production is sought, for which production is sought, are sufficiently related to and were made in furtherance of the intended or present continued illegality. Oh, Mark Elias. I wonder if Mark Elias is having sleepless nights right now because this would mean that uh, Mark Elias could possibly be guilty of using his uh, lawyerness to further this scheme along. Oh, and what has he been doing against... What has he been doing against this country? What has he been doing against the Constitution? What has he been doing against elections? He's been using his lawyerness to subvert justice and subvert the Constitution and subvert the will of the people. I hereby declare treason, treasonous shenanigans, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Mark Elias, but I'm no lawyer, I'm no attorney, so don't take my word for it. Uh, article concludes, All this leads us to believe that Durham is focused on something more substantial than the false Alpha Bank allegations, perhaps the inception of it all, the claim of Russian hacking. As we have said before, consider the possibility that evidence of Russian hacking was placed by the DNC, Perkins Coy et al. for CrowdStrike to conveniently find... And we ain't even talking about CrowdStrike here, ladies and gentlemen. Do you guys want to see those sleepless eyes of Mark Elias? Bam! You see them sacks under his eyes, guys? Yeah, maybe he's losing sleep. Actually, I don't know. I think he just plays too many night games, to be quite honest with you. So, do you mind if I take a sip of my coffee? Ah, uh, like I said, it's cup number two. I knew I was going to need to get through with this, guys. Oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't Anka Vanka that said that. That was Aurelius Locke who said that. Not to be confused with Mark Anthony. My bad. It's because y'all's names both start with an A, okay? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Dear oh me, oh my. Ladies, hey, Duppy, what's going on? Good to see you in the audience. Timberjet, good to see you in the audience as well. Thanks for joining us. CJM61, the Punisher. You're going to feel the pain. You're going to feel the pain, son. 
All right, guys. Let's carry on. Let's carry on. Durham's watching, guys. He wants to make sure I get this right, okay? <laughs> okay, so here we have Mark Elias under oath, all right? That is newsworthy, guys. Like, you know, well, eh, it don't matter. I, I was going to say, where is everyone else that was talking about this? I think what everyone else was focusing on, other than the fact that Mark Elias has been deposed, like, like one of the lead goblins you know, was being pinched and held, held to the fire. Like, tell us what you know, Mark Elias. You don't have attorney-client privilege, Mark Elias, because you are involved with this crime, you and Sussman. And, oh, man, because he's, he's there, you know, giving them, giving them uh, 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 legal advice on how to, uh, to advance a crime against a sitting uh, president. I mean, come on. Oh, I just love that they didn't have attorney-client privilege. I'm just, I just love that they could not use that to hide the sins and cover their tracks. Love it. But anyways, instead of talking about Mark Elias being deposed and forced under oath in grand jury testimony, because that obviously wasn't important, what we were talking about was the cell phones that were mentioned in this filing. Now, this is also very newsworthy because remember, guys, I said a long time ago in regards to election integrity and election fraud that uh, one of the main things that was really holding up this whole fraud was committed, you know, other than the fact that they can't just declare fraud, even if they have all of this evidence and they have people on video doing this and that, they also have to prove intent. Now, a lot of people did not like when I said they have to prove intent, okay? You have to prove intent, even if there is a million ballots dropped in one night, even if there is someone flashing ballots like Katana from, you know, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat and then dumping them into a ballot box, you have to prove intent because you know that the defense lawyers are going to be using that angle. Well, you know, they didn't intend to do it. You know, even though it's obvious it's fraud, even though, you know, even though you have someone like, uh, like, uh, uh that, that, that Ruby Freeman, you know, quadruple stuffing ballots, you have to prove that she intended to defraud the people, even though the evidence is right there in front of your face. Well, breaking into files that have attorney client privilege that could prove intent seeking legal counsel on how to move forward on this kind of uh, crime and conspiracy that could prove intent having phones from someone who is under investigation being withheld could prove intent, particularly when those phones were in the onus of, I don't know, an inspector general. What would that, what kind of intent would that prove? Could that possibly prove that, that uh, there is a backwards, crooked government that is criminal and that is part of a large, larger crime syndicate because they were aware that there was an open investigation since, I don't know, 2016, and yet they withheld this evidence? Could that possibly prove that these people were intentionally trying to bring down a duly elected president? They say that the cover-up is worse than the crime, don't they, people? They do. They indeed, they do, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed, they do. So what are we talking about here? What is Mr. G uh, pontificating about? <laughs> oh, we're talking about IG Horowitz. And everyone remembers that Horowitz report, okay? Oh, we found, uh, you know, dozens of, uh, dozens of uh, mistakes, but that doesn't prove intent. That doesn't prove that they meant any wrong, you know? I mean, they just uh, lied about certain... Uh, 
uh, responses and emails and on documents and FISA, you know, FISA warrants, etc. I was like, come off of it, Horowitz, really? Because then, you know, during this drama, all of us were sitting back and trying to figure out, like, is Horowitz a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Okay, we know some of his history and his past with the swamp, but maybe he's going to do his job here. And, and because every awake patriot already knew what the deal was. I mean, like I said, we had the Epoch Times roll out with their infographic. We all knew, okay? We all knew the score here. When Horowitz was put up and he was put in to investigate the Russia probe and, and the FBI connections and all that stuff, I think some of us, at least I did, held my breath a little bit and was like, what's the story going to be here? Oh, oh, yes, there were errors. Yes, they lied on a FOIA application, but that doesn't mean anything happened. You know, give the guy probation, okay? Give the guy probation. They just, they just spied on a sitting president. No, no, no nothing to see here. He he just accidentally lied on an application. Yeah, the Horowitz report, guys. It was a horror show, is what that was. H o r r o r horror show, not a not that kind of show. It was a horror show. Okay. So uh, let's see what came out of this declassification, or this uh, this uh, this uh, well, not declassification. The classifications coming later on in the report. Okay. Let's see what goes on with this, uh, this filing where Durham finds that uh, IG Horowitz withheld evidence. What is up with that? We're going to the banks of the uh, Epoch Times here. Special counsel team gives update on evidence not offered by DOJ Inspector General's office. Now, this is the kind of thing that I think could prove intent or could prove that maybe the DOJ is corrupt or at least the DOJ under whomever was in charge of it at that time, or whatever administration. Okay, let's see what it has to say. Uh, I think I like this view better. And you guys tell me. It says here, a special counsel John Durham's team in a court filing on January 28th offered additional context on a previous filing that described how the team learned of evidence in the possession of the Department of Justice Office of Inspector General that was seemingly withheld from investigators. The evidence, which includes two cell phones used by former FBI general counsel James Baker and forensic reports analyzing the phones, only came to light in January of 2022. Baker, who is the subject of a criminal leak investigation for unauthorized disclosures to the media, but left his position without being charged, is a key player in the prosecution of longtime Clinton lawyer Michael Sussman, who Durham's team charged with lying to the FBI. In the January 25th filing in Sussman's case, Durham's team said it asked the OIG for materials last year, but was not told of the phones and forensic reports. The team learned for the first time that the Office of the Inspector General had possession of the Baker-related materials, the team told the court without disclosing how it learned this. In the new filing entered on January 28th, the team said it wanted to provide additional context. The OIG, after reviewing the earlier filing, notified the team that in 2018, in connection with a different criminal investigation led by then-acting U.S. Attorney Durham, 
An OIG special agent providing support for the investigation informed a prosecutor working with Durham that the OIG had requested custody of some FBI phones. The Office of the Inspector General records show the phones included those used by Baker. The records also show that the agent held a conference call with Durham and members of the investigative team, during which the cell phones likely were discussed, according to the filing. Special Counsel Durham has no current recollection of that conference call, nor does Special Counsel Durham currently recall knowing about the OIG's possession of the former FBI General Counsel's cell phones before January 2022, Durham's team said. The filing also revealed that it was the FBI that informed Durham's team that the OIG was in possession of the phones, prompting the team to ask the OIG about them. The forensic reports on the phones were provided to Sussman's lawyers. An additional forensic examination done by the OIG ordered Durham's team was conducted ordered by Durham's team, was conducted in January and the results were recently provided to the team and will be produced to Sussman's lawyers after the team reviews them. After going over the 2018 investigation that Durham led, the special counsel's office also requested and plans to review the other FBI-linked phones in the OIG's possession to see if any materials relate to the Sussman case. The cover-up is always worse than the crime, ladies and gentlemen, because that is where you see intent. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, look. You think he's under oath in this picture? You think this man is under oath? Hmm. I don't know, guys. Horowitz is now under fire. You know it's true. You know it's true. So... Durham's filing rebuts Inspector General Horowitz's claim on missing cell phones and hints at a growing rift. What does that mean? Does it possibly mean that we're starting to see two separate uh, law systems here? We're starting to see two separate justice systems here? Is that what this possibly means? Does it finally mean that we are starting to see the light in this regard? Does it mean that We're finally getting evidence that there are two justice systems in this country. One for those that pal around with with the globalist, elitist, cabalist, whatever you want to call them. They who want to destroy this country and have been utilizing all these pawns to do it for a very long time. And one for the American people. And one for the God-fearing American people that just want to restore the republic. And that would be basically anyone who's not part of that crew, not part of that uh, club, as it says. So this is an analysis on this. I think this is also from the Epoch Times. It says here, a supplemental court filing by special counsel John Durham confirms previous reporting that Department of Justice Inspector General Michael Horowitz concealed crucial information from Durham in connection with two separate investigations the, out, the ongoing prosecution of former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman and the criminal leak investigation of former FBI general counsel James Baker, the January 28th filing by Durham updated the court on precisely when Durham first learned of two cell phones that had been used by Baker while he was with the FBI. The existence of these phones was first mentioned in a January 25th filing in which Durham claimed that the Office of the Inspector General had failed to disclose its possession of two FBI cell phones belonging to Baker. 
Following the January 25th filing, Horowitz's office apparently told Durham that the existence of one of the cell phones may have been mentioned on a conference call that took place four years ago. The OIG special, special, special agent had a conference call with members of the investigative team, including Mr. Durham, during which the cell phones were likely discussed, reads the January 28th court filing. However, Durham stated in the filing that not only did he not recall the conference call, but also that he had no knowledge of Horowitz's possession of Baker's cell phones before being informed of their existence by a separate investigative team within the FBI on January 6th. Notably... Horowitz was unable to say with certainty whether Baker's phone was even mentioned on the February 12th, 2018 conference call. Moreover, at the time of the conference call, Horowitz's office was not in possession of either of Baker's cell phones. Caught and caught and caught on a lie. Do you see why they say you should always tell the truth? Because you have fewer things that you have to remember if you tell the truth, okay? <laughs> That's why I don't lie, guys. I mean, other than the obvious, but uh, I already have enough. I already have a hard enough time with my memory, y'all. I don't need. <laughs> I don't need to worry about about what I said or didn't say, and blah 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 blah. I mean, that's the second reason why I don't lie, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, good evening, 123SKG. Good to see you in the audience. Thank you for gifting a can. I appreciate you, ma'am. Good to see you again. Now, the article goes on. While Horowitz did gain possession of Baker's phones several days later on February 15, 2018, there's no record that he informed Durham. Nor is there any record of subsequent communications between Horowitz's office and Durham regarding the Baker phone. This despite the fact that Durham was conducting a criminal leak investigation into Baker at around the same time that Horowitz gained access to Baker's cell phone. Although it isn't currently known when Horowitz took, Horowitz took possession of a second Baker phone, there appears to have been no follow-up from either Horowitz or Durham at the time, suggesting that neither of the phones had ever been mentioned to Durham. This is further supported by the fact that as recently as January 5th, Durham was seeking Baker's call log data from the FBI's inspection division, suggesting he did not know about Horowitz's possession of Baker's phones. Why would he go to the FBI inspection division to request Baker's call logs if he knew that Inspector Horowitz had the phones? So there you go. It just makes sense, ladies and gentlemen. While Horowitz's objection to Durham's January 25th filing may have been intended to deflect from his office's disclosure failures, the latest filing raises further questions. Even if Horowitz's new, new, even if Horowitz's new claims about the alleged 2018 conference call were true, this would not have absolved him from disclosing this information in 2021 when he was formally requested by Durham to do so. So Durham asked him in 21 about this and he didn't say anything then. And it wouldn't have excused him even if it were true that he told him about it in 2018. However, the most significant revelation contained in the supplemental filings is that Horowitz did not object to the other assertions made by Durham in his January 25th filing. That filing highlighted Horowitz's failure to cooperate with Durham's special counsel investigation 
In addition to not disclosing the existence of Baker's cell phones, Horowitz also failed to disclose that he and his general counsel had personally met with Sussman regarding a cyber matter in March 2017, and Horowitz may have failed to disclose the identity of a Hillary Clinton-connected individual who provided the underlying data to Sussman that led to the in-person meeting. All of these undisclosed facts are crucial to Durham and his case against Sussman. Notably, Durham did not learn about this information from Horowitz, but rather from other sources, including Michael Sussman himself. Oh, how the plot thickens against I.G. Horowitz. Who's that guy working for anyways? Why would Horowitz do such a thing? Hmm. Let's check out this portion of the article. It says here, Horowitz's lack of disclosure. Meeting with Michael Sussman. Oh, oh, oh. So they're trying to say that not only did Horowitz have James Baker's phones, but he met with Michael Sussman. And he didn't disclose that to the investigator who was on the case. Um, the cover-up is always worse than the crime. Good evening, uh, Sean Joe. Thank you for gifting the cookie, friend. Good to see you in the audience. Let's see what this has to say. On October 13th, 2021, Durham's office formally requested that Horowitz provide all documents, records, and information in the OIG's possession regarding Sussman. Durham also requested any transcripts or other documents within Horowitz's possession that contained certain search terms related to Sussman. However, according to Durham's January 25th filing, the only thing Horowitz's office produced prior to mid-December 2021 was relevant transcripts of interviews conducted by Horowitz's office, dur office during its review of the FBI's Crossfire Hurricane investigation into alleged collusion between Donald Trump's campaign and the Russian government. On December 17th, 2021, Horowitz produced one additional item, a forensic report on the cyber matter that Sussman had reported to the OIG in March of 2017. Specifically, that one of Sussman's clients had observed that a specific OIG employee's computer was seen publicly in internet traffic and was connecting to a virtual private network in a foreign country. When Horowitz provided this report to Durham, Horowitz told Durham's team that he had no other files or documentation relating to this cyber matter. Durham's office then provided this written forensic report to Sussman's defense team six days later, on December 23, 2021. Okay. But in a January 20th discovery conference call between Durham's prosecution team and the defense, Sussman's lawyers informed Durham's team that Horowitz had withheld crucial information. Specifically, that Sussman had met personally with Horowitz in March 2017 when he brought the cyber matter information to OIG. Critically, the Office of the Investigative General investigator general employee whose internet activity had been monitored by Sussman's client appears to have been important enough to warrant a direct meeting with Horowitz, raising further questions as to this individual's identity. It's also notable 
that Sussman's March 2007 meeting with Horowitz took place shortly after Horowitz announced on January 12th, 2017, that due to congressional requests, he was initiating an investigation into events surrounding the 2016 election. Sussman's visit with Horowitz was also shortly after, was followed shortly after Sussman had pushed derogatory information about Trump to the CIA in February 2017. Moreover, Sussman's attorney informed Durham's team during this same January 28th conference call that Sussman's client who developed the cyber matter information was Rodney Joffe, not to be confused with Joffe Joffer. Joffe, a computer expert with close connections to the FBI, is of great import to Durham's case against Sussman and to the wider investigation into the origins of the Russia collusion investigation. Joffe, who's named by Durham in the September 21st indictment of Sussman as the tech executive, who allegedly had exploited his access to a non-public data to non-public data at multiple internet companies to conduct opposition research concerning Trump. According to the indictment, Sussman and Joffe had coordinated with representatives and agents of the Clinton campaign with regard to the false data about contacts between Trump Organization and the Russian Alpha Bank. Those alleged contacts were then used by Hillary Clinton and her campaign to push the narrative that Trump was compromised by the Kremlin. It remains unknown how or why Sussman and Joffe were privy to the internet activities of the as-yet-unnamed OIG employee, or why Sussman felt the need to personally brief Horowitz about these activities. Upon learning on January 20th of Horowitz's personal briefing from Sussman, Durham immediately reached out to Horowitz for clarification. On January 22nd, Horowitz responded to Durham's inquiry, confirming to Durham that Sussman's assertion was correct. Horowitz had indeed met with Sussman in March of 2017. As Durham was careful to note in his January 25th filing, Horowitz had not previously informed Durham's office of his meeting with Sussman. Three days later, on January 25th, Durham made his initial filing, which disclosed in part how Horowitz had withheld key evidence from Durham, the follow-up January 28th filing by Durham has provided additional details and dates regarding the events surrounding Durham's discovery of Horowitz's possession of Baker's phone. So now we know, guys. Horowitz seems like he has been canoodling with the enemy, so to speak. As an inspector general... That is uh, very important to be noted, of course. And so now we know, you know, hey, oh, well, and then, then he has Baker's phones. And we know that, you know, plenty of people reported. We'll see how that develops. But how do we get there? I'm sure inquiring minds want to know, right? Well, let's continue, guys. What do they got to say? How Durham found out about Baker's phones. On January 5th, 2022, Durham's team conducted a conference call with the FBI's ins inspection division, 
which is currently conducting its own internal investigation at FBI personnel involved in the 2016 Crossfire Hurricane investigation of the Trump campaign. Durham's team was attempting to obtain information regarding call log data for Baker. The day after that call on January 6th, personnel from the FBI's inspection team followed up with an email to Durham's team informing the special counsel team that Horowitz's office was maintaining custody of Baker's two FBI-issued cell phones along with forensic reports that had analyzed the content of the two phones. According to Durham, this was the first time he was informed of Horowitz's possession of Baker's phones. The next day on January 7th, Durham's office requested information from Horowitz regarding Baker's cell phones. Horowitz provided the information that Durham requested regarding Baker's cell phones on January 10th, 2022. That day, Sussman's defense team requested that Durham's office provide any information relating to an undated meeting attended by reporters from the New York Times and Baker, along with Bill Priestap, then FBI Assistant Director for Counterintelligence, and Michael Corton, then FBI Assistant Director for Public Affairs. This meeting likely relates to events in September 2016, after Sussman had gone to Baker with the Alpha Bank allegations. Following his initial meeting with Sussman, Baker was subsequently told that Sussman was also speaking to reporters at the New York Times. It was later reported that the FBI had asked the newspaper to temporarily hold off on its reporting. Sussman's request for information regarding this meeting is notable, not only for the high-level FBI officials who met with the New York Times, but also in light of Baker's criminal leak investigation that had been previously conducted by Durham's. Durham's January 25th filing precipitates Horowitz's disclosure. Durham apparently was not fully satisfied with the information provided by Horowitz's office on January 10th, as Durham subsequently requested that Horowitz's office conduct an additional forensic examination of Baker's two cell phones, as Durham was waiting for a response from Horowitz regarding the additional forensic exams, Durham learned from Sussman's lawyers on January 20th that Horowitz had met personally with Sussman in March 2017 regarding the cyber matter. Durham's discovery of the meeting between Sussman and Horowitz, which was confirmed by Horowitz two days later on January 22nd, may have been the impetus for Durham's January 25th filing. At the time of Durham's January 20th, 25th filing, Horowitz still had not provided the requested additional forensic examination of Baker's two cell phones. It was this filing by Durham that first detailed issues surrounding key information that Horowitz had failed to disclose Durham's, to Durham's office. On the evening of January 26th, a day after Durham's filing, Horowitz finally responded to Durham's request, providing Durham with those additional completed forensic reports that had previously been requested. While it is not known exactly what information was contained in these new reports from Horowitz, on the morning of January 28th, Durham issued his most recent filing, which added the new details regarding Baker's cell phones and also disclosed the existence of additional cell phones that are in possession of Horowitz's office. Those phones are in addition to Baker's two phones and related to Durham's criminal leak investigation of Baker. Durham's office has issued a request to Horowitz to review these additional phones. While Durham's latest filing is labeled as an update on Baker's cell phones, its real purpose appears to be to publicly pressure Horowitz 
to disclose further materials in the OIG possession, including the additional cell phones which Durham seems to have only found out about in the past few days. Notably, it was Sussman, the defendant, who provided Durham with information that focused the special counsel's attention on materials being withheld by Horowitz. It's highly unusual for the defense to provide the prosecution with information that the prosecution is not aware of. Strategically, it would seem this information would be better saved for Sussman's defense in the actual trial. It is not known why Sussman offered information at this time. Something tells me that these rats are turning on each other, ladies and gentlemen, or that something else is going on here. Just imagine how frustrating that has to be for Durham. Durham, who was investigating the media leak by James Baker, just to find out that Horowitz had his phones and that Sussman had been talking to him. Maybe Sussman is is trying to look like he's helping them out now. Maybe he's trying to uh, lessen his uh, his upcoming conviction, uh, you know, um, whatever it is that they're going to chart, like whatever the punishment is going to be. Maybe he's trying to, maybe he's trying to help out the case. Maybe he's trying to help himself out is kind of what it sounds like to me. Oh, the drama, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the drama, drama, drama. So that moves us up to this point. I told you there was going to be a swamp creature or two on the screen today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I love this graphic. You got you got uh, stinky Hillary Clinton here. And uh, she's spying on the Trump Towers. You really it, 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 spying on the Trump Towers, huh? Well, the, the case goes further, guys, against Sussman as well. OK, I mean, like I said, we're catching up here, guys. We are catching up here. And um, well, uh, it appears that Sussman had a lot more to do with. Now, remember in uh, like what the second article we were going through, uh, they were kind of hinting at. I think it was a Technofog article. They're kind of hinting at that maybe uh, that Sussman's case is still under investigation. That just maybe it has more to do with than lying to the FBI. That maybe there's something else going on here. What else was Sussman involved with, and how does that lead up to the President Trump statements? that this is worse than Watergate and that he was spied on and that he's been proven right. Hmm. Let's take a look at uh, some other articles we got here, guys. We're, we're rounding the bend. Oh, whoops. What did I do? I pushed the wrong button. Oh, be gone, swamp creature. Uh, let's see. We got this article coming out of Breitbart. <coughs> Pardon me. It says, uh, John Durham filing suggests Clinton operatives spied on Trump in 2016 and in the White House. Yeah, we're just, we're just piecing all of the puzzle together with you guys here on tonight's episode of The Sea Report. We're laying down the tracks of evidence that we've known about for years. But now, like I said, through jurisprudence, through litigation... It's all coming home to roost. Okay, let's see what Breitbart has to say. It says special counsel John Durham filed a motion in federal court in Washington, D.C. on Friday, alleging that Hillary Clinton's political allies paid a contractor to spy on Donald Trump. What's this? 
Man, John Durham has been busy, guys. Both as a candidate was President Trump spied on and as the president using cell phone data. Huh, how does this tie to Sussman, right? The motion was filed in the case of former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman, who is charged with lying to the FBI about whether he was working for the campaign when he told the FBI about a false link between Trump and Russia. Sussman was a partner at Perkins Coy, which often represents Democrats and which hired Fusion GPS to produce the false Russia dossier on then-candidate Trump at the behest of the Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee. Durham's filing deals with a potential conflict of interest involving Sussman's legal representation from Latham and Watkins LLP, which also represented others in the investigation whose interests may conflict with those of the defendant. These, the Technofog blog notes, include Perkins Coy, former Perkins Coy lawyer Mark Elias, and the Hillary Clinton campaign. If they are also charged or exposed to criminal liability, the firm might face a conflict of interest among the various defendants. The filing then reveals that Sussman was involved in an effort to mine data from a project run by the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, otherwise known as DARPA, at a United States university identified in previous reports as Georgia Tech to spy on Trump and his associates at Trump Tower, at Trump's private residence, and at the executive office of the presidency once Trump took office in the White House. Their goal was to dig up damaging information that could then be used to build the Russia collusion narrative against President Trump. Boom! Ladies and gentlemen, need I say boom? Boom. As Durham notes in the filing, the indictment also alleges that beginning in approximately July of 2016, tech executive number one, otherwise known as Joffe Jofer, no, just kidding, Rodney Joffe, had worked with a defendant, a U.S. investigative firm retained by law firm one, otherwise known as Perkins Cui, on behalf of the Clinton campaign, numerous cyber researchers and employees at multiple internet companies to assemble the purported data and white papers. In connection with these efforts, tech executive number one, otherwise known as Rodney Joffe, exploited his access to non-public and or proprietary internet data. Tech executive number one, Rodney Joffe, also enlisted the assistance of researchers at a U.S.-based in university who were receiving and analyzing large amounts of internet data in connection with a pending federal government cybersecurity research contract. Rodney Joffe tasked these researchers to mine internet data to establish an inference and narrative tying then-candidate Trump to Russia. In doing so, Rodney Joffe indicated that he was seeking to please certain VIPs referring to individuals at Perkins Coie and the Clinton campaign. The government's evidence at trial will also establish that among the internet data Rodney Joffe and his associates exploited was domain name system DNS internet traffic pertaining to one, a particular healthcare provider, two, 
Trump Tower, three, Donald Trump's Central Park West Apartment Building, and four, the Executive Office of the President of the United States. Rodney Joffe's employer, Internet Company Number One, had come to access and maintain dedicated servers for the Executive Office of the President as part of a sensitive arrangement whereby it provided DNS resolution services to the Executive Office of the President. Rodney Joffe and his associates exploited this arrangement by mining the Executive Office of the President's DNS traffic and other data for the purpose of gathering derogatory information about Donald Trump. The filing further explains that claims of collusion involving Trump were based on supposed hookups from these targeted sites with a Russian mobile phone provider, but failed to note that these connections were common in the U.S. and had begun in 2014. An example, during the Obama administration and long before President Trump. The revelations in Durham's filing are already being compared to Watergate, which began when Republican operatives broke into the office of the Democrat National Committee during the 1972 presidential campaign. In this case, however, the alleged spying was not confined to the campaign, but continued after the election, once Trump was already president. In July 2016, also, July 2016 also marks the point at which the Obama administration launched its investigation into supposed links between Trump and Russia. After Trump joked at a press conference about Russia looking for Hillary Clinton's missing emails. In March 2017, after radio host Mark Levin noted evidence in the public domain that investigators had used wiretaps to eavesdrop on Trump associates, Trump claimed the government had his wires tapped and was attacked by the media. Fox News quoted former Trump aides reacting to the news of Durham's filing, claiming it vindicated their suspicions. Former chief investigator of the Trump-Russia probe for the House Intelligence Committee under then-Representative Devin Nunes, Cash Patel, said the filing definitively shows that the Hillary Clinton campaign directly funded and ordered its lawyers at Perkins Coy to orchestrate a criminal enterprise to fabricate a connection between President Trump and Russia. Per Durham, this arrangement was put in motion in July of 2016, meaning the Hillary Clinton campaign and her lawyers masterminded the most intricate and coordinated conspiracy against Trump when he was both a candidate and later president of the United States, while simultaneously perpetuating the bogus Steele dossier hoax. And that is from uh, Patel, Cash Patel, ladies and gentlemen. Jeez Louise, guys. Now, former President Trump also, that's their words, not mine. President Trump also issued a statement. The latest pleading from special counsel Robert Durham provides indisputable evidence that my campaign and presidency were spied on by operatives paid by the Hillary Clinton campaign in an effort to develop a completely fabricated connection to Russia. This is a scandal far greater in scope and magnitude than Watergate and those who were involved in and knew about this spying operation should be subject to criminal prosecution. In a stronger period of time in our country, this crime would have been punishable by death. 
Isn't it nice to see how everything's coming home to roost, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, yes, that's right, deplore Laura. Treason! Treason! Shenanigans! Treason! Exactly, guys. Oh, man. This is exactly so. This is exactly so. W.C. Cranop, thank you for gifting the cookies over there at uh, Foxhole and Pilled. Much appreciated, sir. Cookies will go well with my copy. Mm. I put a chocolate tab or two in that, so it's a little sweeter than I normally have my coffee. All right. That leads to this President Trump statement, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone, uh, everyone bust out your victory shots, right? <laughs> It says, I was proven right about the spying, and I will be proven right about 2020. Oh, you know what he's talking about when he says he's going to be proven right about 2020. What are we going to do, guys? We need to start, we need to start planning and preparing. What are we going to do whenever that vindic vindicating moment comes, right? Whenever everything is out there in the open. Are we going to have a 24-hour soiree here at Mr. C TV and the Mr. C channel? I mean, I already told you guys how I behaved whenever they nationalized the Federal Reserve. Imagine what I'm going to do whenever all of this stuff really, really hits home. Okay, we still got some time on the clock there. Okay, what do we got next? We're not done yet, guys. Let's talk a little bit about this man. Rodney Jaffe. Not to be, uh, not to be confused with Prince Jaffe or Jaffe Joe Fur. King of Zamunda. <laughs> you guys are probably like, who's this Joffy Jofer guy that Mr. C keeps on referring to? We're talking about the King of Zamunda here, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways. <laughs> yes, Aurelius Locke. John Henry Durham. Not Robert Durham. We were talking about that the other night, Aurelius. We were like, why did he say Robert Durham? What, uh, what we deduced here... Basically, the audience is that Robert Durham is the name of the guy who made the Durham boat. Now, Aurelius, if you're on the road, you might not have seen the clip that we played at the head of this show. And that was of the Durham boats cross in the Delaware. But, uh, well, there's that point. Hey, Cloud Watcher, how you doing? Curious Cat, how's it going, buddy? Hope you're having a great evening tonight, sir. Hope you all are. Thanks for hanging out with us here at the Sea Report. Renee, 0304, good to see you as well, sweetie. Hope your evening is well. <clears throat> it's great to have. Uh, it's great to be among so many great friends tonight. Don't you too, Miss Laura Brown? We haven't forgotten about you over there, holding it down at the Twitch. All right, guys. Why are we going to talk about Rodney Joffe Jofer? <clears throat> well, it appears that Rodney Joffe and Michael Sussman are speaking out against Durham, okay? Because, after all, uh, I mean, this is really going to hold them to the fire, right? According to the Epoch Times, a spokesperson for Joffe, who has not been charged with a crime, jo again, Joffe has not been charged with a crime, uh, but a spokesperson for Joffe challenged Durham's filing in a statement to news outlets. Now, we're, we're, we're pretty much getting up into February, guys. Like, we've been... Knocking them down, right? Lining up and knocking them down to catch up with what's going on. Give you guys the juice. Oh, the gravy's being laid on thick tonight, ladies and gentlemen. 
And you know, we like it saucy over here at the Sea Report. Okay. So this is what the spokesperson said to the news outlets regarding this filing by John Durham that brings to light Joffe's, uh, you know, uh, his involvement. They said, contrary to the allegations in this recent filing, Mr. Joffe is an apolitical internet security expert with decades of service to the United States government who has never worked for a political party and who legally provided access to DNS data obtained from a private client that separately was providing DNS services to the executive office of the president, the EOP. Now, again, DNS refers to domain name system. And Durham said that Joffe exploited access to this domain name system internet traffic for not only the executive office of President Trump, but also Trump Tower and Trump's nearby apartment. And that Joffe had a group of university researchers exploring internet data with the goal of establishing an inference and a narrative tying Trump to Russia. So saith the John Durham indictments. <clears throat> but Joffe, Joffe, on the other hand, says, no, 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 it wasn't me. Okay. It was me by way of someone else. Now, Joffe's spokesperson also said, under the terms of the contract, I wonder if they could possibly be referring to certain VIPs at a certain law office. Hmm. It says, under the terms of the contract, the data could be accessed to identify and analyze any security breaches or threats as a result of the hacks of the executive office of the president and the DNC servers in 2015 and 2016, respectively. There were ser serious and legitimate national security concerns about Russian attempts to infiltrate the 2016 election. Upon identifying the DNS queries from Russian-made Yoda phones in proximity to the Trump campaign and the executive office of the president, respected cybersecurity researchers were deeply concerned about anomalies they found in the data and prepared a report of their findings, which was subsequently shared with the CIA. Oh, so the CIA. Now, you know what they say, never leave any open threads, guys, because you know we're going to follow those threads, okay? And we're going to follow those threads tonight, guys. Now, let's not forget these Yoda phones from Russia that were tied into the proximity of the Trump campaign. What did Durham's filing show? That these Yota Russian-made phones had been used since 2014 in Obama's administration. Okay? So then why weren't they investigating Obama with the presence of these Yota phones? And the DNS servers and queries and, and, uh, and uh, what do you call it? Uh, split uh, evidence and stuff. Now it says here um, that um, Jaffe spokesperson... They argued that Durham's motion, which was ostensibly about potential conflicts of interest, included prejudicial and false allegations that are irrelevant to his motion and to the charged offenses and are plainly intended to politicize this case, inflame media coverage, and taint the jury pool. Right. Okay. Well, we don't have to worry about the jury pool being tainted because the media didn't share any of this, right? Like, <laughs> oh man, they just, 
they think they're smart. They think they're smart. Okay. Um, so with all of this in mind, all of this information coming out, guys, everything that is coming to the surface, you know, uh, the hens coming home to roost, the boomerang coming back to smack, you know, all of this stuff. Um, there are a lot of, there are a lot of opinion pieces that are coming out. Uh, so I wanted to share with you guys an article I thought was pretty interesting. This one's out of the Gateway Pundit. And it is written by a man by the name of Larry C. Johnson. Now, just to give you a little bit of background on Larry C. Johnson, he is a former analyst for the United States Central Intelligence Agency. What? This guy worked for the CIA. Well, he's an analyst for them. He is also the co-owner and CEO of Berg Associates. Berg stands for Business Exposure Reduction Group, whatever that means. And Johnson worked at the CIA for four years as an analyst, then moved to the State Department's Office of Counterterrorism. And in 1993, Johnson left government work to join the private sector, going on to build a dual career as a business consultant and a pundit on intelligence issues. So what did this man have to say? Yeah, you, you pulling out, you pull, you're loving that popcorn over there too, aren't you, Deplora Laura? <laughs> This former CIA analyst said President Trump was a victim of espionage, both foreign and domestic. Oh, you don't say espionage. Well, let, let's see what you're meaning by that, Mr. Cooper. I mean, sorry, Mr. Johnson. Cooper, uh, Cooper's coming up. The recent Durham revelations that people working for Hillary Clinton spied on Donald Trump, his campaign and his administration is only part of the story. It is, very, it is a very important part, but should not obscure the role that foreign intelligence, the Brits in particular, reportedly played in trying to dig up dirt on Donald Trump. In March 2017, I appeared on um, RT, Russia Today, to comment on Donald Trump's now-proven claim that he and his campaign had been spied on. Here is what I said in 2017. Uh... We're not going to, well, I guess we could play this. I hadn't planned to play any video. What do you guys think? You guys want to hear what he said? Give me a moment and I'll get this set up for you guys. Just a one moment. Hope you guys are enjoying tonight's episode. I am definitely enjoying being here with you all and sharing this information. We needed to catch up on Durham, guys. We needed to catch up on John Durham. What is John Durham up to, right? So, uh... And also to get our audience caught up to speed. Okay, let's get this baby rolling. We'll see what this Cooper guy had to say. I keep calling him Cooper. Why am I, why am I calling him Cooper? I think maybe I'm thinking about Bill Cooper for some reason. I don't know why. That name just popped into my head. Uh, okay, I think we're good on that. I just want to make sure sound is good, picture's good. We're going to hear what this man had to say over at uh, Russia Today espionage guys espionage everything's coming home to roost well president donald trump claims his white house predecessor barack obama wiretapped his offices in new york prior to the election last november trump posted a series of tweets decrying the alleged surveillance as quote mccarthyism he didn't, however, provide any evidence or say who informed him about the alleged wiretapping, though he did hint at possible legal action. 
Barack Obama's spokesman responded to Trump's accusations saying, this is a direct quote, neither President Obama nor any White House official ever ordered surveillance on any U.S. citizen. Let's bring in former CIA analyst and State Department official Larry Johnson. Joins me live on the line. Very good afternoon to you, Larry. We've Hi. heard it said that these are really serious accusations uh, by, by some guests we, we've had on so far. What's your assessment of what Donald Trump's had to say? How big a deal is this? I think it's a huge deal. The problem is Trump probably shouldn't have done this via Twitter because to call it that it was a wiretap is technically inaccurate. And the denials by the Obama people are like Bill Clinton asking what the meaning of is is with respect to was oral sex a sexual act. In this case, uh, I understand from very good friends that what happened was both Jim Clapper, John Brennan at CIA were intimately involved in trying to derail the candidacy of Donald Trump. That there was some collusion overseas with your, with Britain's own GHCQ. That information that was gathered from GHCQ was actually passed to John Brennan and it was disseminated within the US government. This dissemination was illegal. Donald Trump is in essence correct that the intelligence agencies and some in the law enforcement community on the side of the FBI were in fact illegally trying to access, monitor his communications with his aides and with other people. All of this with an end to trying to destroy and discredit his presidency. I don't think there will be any doubt of that. I think it's worth noting that the head of the National Security Agency, uh, and Admiral Rogers, made a journey to Trump Tower shortly after Trump had won. And in the immediate aftermath of his visit, the C Jim Clapper and others in the intelligence community called for his him to be fired. Now, why did Rogers go to Trump Tower? My understanding is, let's call it, it was to uh, cover himself because he was aware that the NSA had been, the authorities had been misused and abused with respect to Donald Trump. So I think Trump's decision to go out this morning and tweet this was fully intended to send a notice and send word that I don't think he's doing this without evidence. He does have evidence. Uh, I think it was just inartfully expressed in the tweet. You would think that if he's going to make such a serious accusation, do it so publicly, like you said, there would have to be evidence. Do you think we're going... We've not seen a lot of evidence in any of this whole Trump-Russia debacle. Do you think we will see any firm evidence in this case? Well, there's, there, there is no evidence on the side of Russia meddling in the U.S. election. I saw that you had Brent Badowski on earlier, and I simply wish that you folks would ask him a very basic question. Ask him, what specifically did Russia do that influenced the U.S. election? The answer is nothing. Russia did not set up front companies. Russia did not provide money to the Trump campaign so that they could buy advertising. Russia was not providing advisors, direct or indirect, as cutouts to advise Trump on how to defeat Hillary Clinton. So the, the classic things that we would see, does Russia run intelligence operations against the United States? Yes. And does the United States do that against Russia? Yes. But this is an entirely, completely uh, different matter. So uh, I, I think what we're seeing here is 
there, you know, some think it's an exaggeration, but uh, I do not. There is a genuine effort to try to take out and defeat Donald Trump, even in the aftermath of his election. And there are still senior people in jobs at the National uh, Director of National Intelligence Office, the Office of the Central Intelligence Agency, the National Security Agency, that uh, these are senior intelligence executives that ought to be fired. They ought to be marched right out the door. You talked about you believe that there's evidence there. And Donald Trump, let's be honest, he has been on the ropes a lot since he, he took office. He's been mostly a, a sort of a defensive stance he's taken. Will he be able to produce the evidence? And will he be able to actually sort of take the upper hand in this, this fight against not just the, the former establishment and the Democrats, but also of the media? He's fighting them all en masse, really. Yeah, no, it's, it, listen, this is a coordinated, organized effort. Uh, the, the, the Obama, let's call them the Obama remnants, were really shocked that Trump won. So they had no clue coming down the road that he was going to win. Once he won, they genuinely thought that they could do things and plant information in the press that would put so much pressure on him that he would not be able to take the oath of office. And those efforts backfired. That was one of the reasons the so-called uh, uh, dossier on, on Trump's alleged misbehaviors in Russia was leaked. All of this was part of a coordinated, planned campaign by people that are linked to Barack Obama. Now, is, did Barack Obama pick up the telephone and tell Jim Clapper or John Brennan to do X, Y, and Z? No, I don't think that's the case. My understanding, though, is Obama did give the green light when he was briefed on information that had come from British GHCQ to U.S. intelligence officials that he gave the green light to go ahead and try to start distributing and, and using that in an improper way. So uh, this has to be, I think, done very methodically because there are, I, I think, very well could be criminal charges brought against former members of the Obama administration for what they've done. The, what they're doing is, uh, I think, would fall under the, 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 the definition of sedition. Uh, which I realize sounds very alarmist. But the reality of what's going on is these are not uh, isolated events generated by actions that have been taken by Donald Trump and his surrogates. These are actions that are being generated by opponents of Donald Trump trying to force actions out of the Trump team. Larry, good to speak to you. Thanks for joining us again here on RT. Former CIA analyst and State Department official Larry Johnson giving us his views there. Treason! Treason by any other name, right, ladies and gentlemen? Treason! It's treason, son. Don't you know? Don't you know? We got that there. Cloudwatcher over at uh, Foxhole. She be saying, the GHCQ and the CIA, they at least committed crimes, but we also have Obama... Brennan, Clinton, Comey, Clapper, Strzok, Page, Rice, Yates, Biden, and many, many more. This is Obamagate, ladies and gentlemen. It is finally, finally hitting the uh, consciousness, I guess you could say, uh, of everyone. And, and this is the long game, ladies and gentlemen. This is the long game. This is what it looks like. When we have faith and patience, diligence, hard work, and we're active at it, 
share the share the news, spread the links, get people that, because who's reporting this in the mainstream media? Not many, if any at all. We'll talk about that as we close up tonight's show. We just got a little more ways to go, guys. We're gonna we're gonna go through this uh, article here that was written by the man we just heard talking. He's talking about uh, President Trump is a victim of espionage, and let it be known. And let it be recognized, submit to the record, ladies and gentlemen, that there were other countries involved in this and it was not Russia. And, and not in the way that uh, was professed by everyone in the fake news, mockingbird, propaganda media, and the communist sympathizing leftist progressive Democrat party. Okay? So let's, let's press forward. We're almost done, guys. It says, uh, pay close attention. After I gave this interview, there was zero reaction or response from the media in the United States. They ignored it. They, uh, it did not create a ripple on social media. Hell, even the Trump folks ignored it. And we know why now, right? This is an important point. Three members of the United States intelligence community, community the CIA, the FBI, and the NSA, insisted that Russia was interfering in the U.S. election using platforms like Russia Today. But a minuscule number of Americans watched Russia Today. The non-reaction of my interview illustrates that. Then, two weeks later, Judge Andrew Napolitano, who has also come out to be a shill, made the following claim on the air. Fox executives and the Brits went absolutely bonkers. GCHQ came as close to having a full-blown aneurysm as any bureaucratic entity can, and Fox suspended Napolitano. We've made clear to the administration that these claims are ridiculous, and they should be ignored, and we've received assurances that these allegations will not be repeated, a Downing Street spokesman said uh, to reporters. One of Judge Napolitano's sources apparently was Larry Johnson. However, according to Johnson, the judge did not accurately report what Johnson had said. According to Mr. Johnson, President Obama did not order anything. Instead, information collected by GCHQ was passed to the people in the U.S. intelligence community and then distributed in an unauthorized manner. To deny that GCHQ did not do anything in response to a request from President Obama, but that does not mean that GCHQ, a.k.a. General Communications Headquarters, was passive and doing nothing. In the wake of Judge Napolitano's suspension from his Fox duties, I was invited to appear on Brian Stelter's CNN show. The hilariously, ironically named Reliable Sources. I would say doublespeak Orwellian named show. GCA, but I guess with a clown like Stelter, you wouldn't want to give it that much uh, uh, gravitas, right? GCHQ, by virtue of being a foreign entity, can and does easily and routinely collect electronic communications information in the United States. The Brits can do this without having to worry about FISA courts, probable cause, etc. Do you want proof? Here is a New York Times piece on March 17, 2017 that cites one example. The conspiracy theorizing also tested what is often called the special relationship between the United States and Britain. American intelligence agencies enjoy a closer collaboration with their British counterparts than any other in the world, probably because they're all working under the crown. 
GCHQ was the first agency to warn the United States government that Russia was hacking Democrat Party emails during the presidential campaign. Did you get that? United States and United Kingdom have a special relationship. And the GCHQ and the first, not the second or third, was the first, not the second or third, to warn Obama that Russia supposedly was hacking Democrat Party emails. When did they warn this? Before the discovery of the DNC hack or afterwards? If afterwards, how long afterwards? Who received that warning and what steps were taken to take countermeasures? Many questions. Here's another one. If the Brits knew that Russians were hacking the DNC emails, then how did they completely miss the Russians passing that info on to Julian Assange, who happens to be holed up in London in the Ecuadorian embassy? To this date, the Brits have not provided one shred of evidence to prove that Assange got the DNC emails from the Russians. So why the enormous pushback from the Brits on Fox News? If we were playing poker, I would call their reaction a tell. The Brits normally, impl uh, the Brits normally implacable allowed us to see their left eyebrow twitching. Judge Napolitano works for the Murdochs who also happened to have significant economic interests in Great Britain. I heard from another friend at Fox News that the British government leaned hard on the Murdochs to do something about the judge. To recap, we have the GCHQ routinely collecting on U.S. citizens and sharing that with the United States via NSA. Let me suggest one additional twist. The Brits decided with encouragement from people in United States intelligence... John Brennan, perhaps? Mike Rogers? Now, I have heard that Brennan totally exploited that United States, United Kingdom intelligence connection for spying. But it goes on to say here in this article, to step up their collection on Donald Trump and associates and then pass that information unfiltered and unmasked to their U.S. counterparts. Why in the world would the Brits do something so risky? I think the answer is that I think the answer to that is pretty simple, straightforward, and self-evident. Trump's policy positions on Syria and NATO represented direct threats to British interests. In Syria, Trump expressed a willingness to side with Russia in defeating ISIS and to withdraw the U.S. from the business of nation-building. Trump also turned over the apple cart of status quo foreign policy by stating quite plainly that NATO was an anachronism and needed to be given a good, hard look. Anyone want to argue that our British cousins were comfortable with these policy shifts? Therefore, it is not a train to crazy town to suggest that GCHQ and MI6 were more than willing to lend a hand in helping take out Trump. Could that could that will be one of the key revelations coming down the pike in coming weeks? Wouldn't that be a shocker, learning that the government of Great Britain was working hand in glove, hand in glove, with U.S. counterparts to sandbag Donald Trump and his presidency? Most overlook an obvious but obscure issue. GCHQ has been collecting intelligence on American citizens for years, especially Americans of Irish descent or those with ties to Irishmen in the Northern Ireland. That was especially true 20 years ago. You do not have to hold top-secret clearances to understand this fact. The British were collecting intelligence on Americans with names like Moynihan, O'Keefe, 
Lang and Kelly. Make no mistake about that. One final point, the dog that did not bark. By that I mean that notwithstanding all of these machinations, no significant intelligence was generated that provided a smoking gun that could spelled out the end of Donald Trump. If such information had been scooped up, you can be assured that it would have found its way immediately to the front pages of the New York Times and the Washington Compost. That has not happened. I think one more story still to be told is what did the Brits know and when did they know it? I suspect any further investigation into this matter will put a bit of a damper on the United States and United Kingdom relations. We're going to take them all out, ladies and gentlemen. We're not going to stop with uh we're not going to stop with the people doing shenanigans here in the United States of America. We're going after all of them, right? And who's going to be last? You all know who's going to be last. Okay. Uh the next uh the next opinion piece I'm going to share with you guys comes from a man by the name of Roger L. Simon. Okay. Uh, Now, Roger Simon is an award-winning novelist, an Oscar-nominated screenwriter, and co-founder of PJ Media. Now, we share PJ Media's articles here every now and then. Uh, He is currently an editor-at-large for the Epoch Times. So this article comes from the Epoch Times. It's called Durham Reveals Democrats Behaving Like the KGB. Is more coming? All right, this one's a this one's a short and sweet one, guys. Let's uh, let's see what his opinion on this matter is. It goes on to say, John Durham, the man chosen as special counsel by former Attorney General William Barr to unearth possible malfeasance before and during the Trump Russia investigation, is a sly fox in the best sense. Just when people, including Donald J. Trump, have written him off, complaining he wasn't doing anything, that it was a sham investigation. He quietly dumps information that creates a political earthquake that those known Trump Russia liars, the New York Times and the Washington Compost have as of this writing. It's been a few days, not even dared to report Durham's latest is a sure sign that it's indeed a serious quake with potential aftershocks. But before I go further, I would like to call attention to the principle of jurisprudence Falsus in uno, falsus in onimbus. False is one thing, false in all. Oh, false in one thing, false in all. Although written in Latin, it is English common law from the early 17th century stating, a witness who testifies falsely about one matter is not credible to testify about any matter. While this may not always be true, it frequently is and most people apply it in their daily lives. When someone lies to us, we cease to trust them. It's common sense from common law. So back to Durham's latest. Jack Phillips reported right here in the Epoch Times, special counsel John Durham's team alleged on February 12th that a tech executive aligned with the Democrat Party spied on former president, their words not mine, Donald Trump's residencies and the White House when Trump was president. Durham said in a court filing that the spying took place in order to establish an inference and narrative to tie Trump to the Russian government. Electronic spying on the White House at the behest of the Democrat Party, it's what you would expect from Chinese or Russian intelligence. 
And we thought the Mueller investigation was bad. And talk about strange case of projection. The Democrats were always accusing Trump of colluding with Russia while they were behaving like the KGB. Trump himself responded that this is worse than Watergate, and he surely is correct. Watergate, it will be recalled, was about a small-time break-in at Democrat National Committee headquarters during an election that Republicans won by a historic landslide. Although not to be excused in the slightest politically, it couldn't have been more irrelevant. All this recent eavesdropping occurred during the tightest of elections, the 2016 elections, and afterwards during an actual presidency. It was clearly aimed at destroying that presidency, sabotaging from within a genuine insurrection instead of the phony one that we know about. Nothing remotely like that has happened in our history, and it was all instigated by people close to Hillary Clinton or, quite possibly, Hillary herself. We don't know yet. One of those involved, we do know, was Jake Sullivan, currently our national security advisor, charged with overseeing the conflict on the Ukraine-NATO border. I mean, the Ukraine-Russia border. Think about that. What a disgrace to our country that is. If you and I know about it, every nation in the world knows it. This, is evol this evolving scandal, atrocity might be a better word, has most probably eliminated Clinton from the Democrat presidential sweepstakes. It may even sweep up President-select Joe Biden. But wait, as they say, there's more, or could be. Let's go back to English common law, falsus in uno, and all that. The Washington Examiner's Byron York writes in his Fluential Daily Memo, one of the most contentious claims Donald Trump ever made was his insistence that he had been the target of spying. He made the charge in several different ways. For example, in March 2017, Trump just two months in office tweeted, Terrible! Just found out that Obama had my wires tapped in Trump Tower just before the victory. Nothing found. This is McCarthyism. Actually, it's something worse than that. York goes on to say, each time, all the usual anti-Trump voices rushed to accuse the president of lying. But, all, but over the years, a series of facts emerged that, while they did not support some of Trump's most specific charges, Obama did not wiretap Trump in Trump Tower, did support the larger idea that Trump was indeed the target of spying. Wait a minute, Byron. How do we know that Barack Obama had nothing to do with this? The investigation is far from complete and, well, falsus in uno, falsus in omnibus. <laughs> we could also include Hillary's missing emails on that omnibus and a lot of other things. Did you ask Trump if he had evidence of this, Byron? He well might. His track record isn't bad. I don't mean to pick on York, someone I know and who's a fine journalist, but he's also sure that the 2020 election was fair and that Biden won. Falsus in uno again? I would like to ask him a question. Are people capable of breaking into the computer servers of the President of the United States, a national security issue of tremendous implications, capable morally and practically of fixing an election? Regrettably, they are. That does not mean that it happened, but it does mean that it's worthy of investigation, an investigation that has been blocked at every turn. Whether Durham's work will tell us more about that, I don't know. But he appears to be opening the door on a lot of things. We will see if he walks in. It certainly won't be easy, but maybe, 
just maybe, after more than 2,000 years, Diogenes has finally found his honest man in John Durham. I enjoyed that article very much, guys. So, Rico, anybody? I'm not talking about Rico cheese here, uh, but Rico, guys, do you think it could possibly open up bigger doors? Do you think that them trying to, uh, I don't know, kick out a a seated president, a duly elected president, that perhaps that could somehow lead up to the trail of the the real insurrection that took place on uh, November 3rd, 2020? Because a lot of this is coming home to roost, guys. Do you see why they need that war? And speaking about Falsus and Uno, Jake Sullivan's already admitted that he's a lying liar. His words, not mine. So, uh, I don't know, guys. Oh, well, what do you know? If it isn't the rat himself, Jake Sullivan. Hmm. Let's talk about some of the fallout that's coming out around. It's a, there's already some fallout happening right now, ladies and gentlemen. There's already some fallout happening right now. For example, there is a growing number of Democrats that actually want Hillary, Hillary Clinton, the Clinton campaign, whatever you want to call it, Clinton, to be investigated for her role in Russiagate, which is quickly becoming Spygate, which is quickly becoming Obamagate, all the way right up to the top, right? That's the way it was always professed to be. We just needed the uh, legal documentation to make sure that every I was dotted and every T was crossed, because otherwise it's hearsay and conspiracy theory. And we tinfoil hats over here, I mean aluminum foil hats, who are now what? 17 and O, <laughs> you know, we can't be trusted with what we believe to be true in our hearts, but isn't proven through the court systems. Go figure. Okay. Well, just the news reports in regards to Democrats wanting a Clinton investigation into Russia spy Obamagate. Uh, it seems that there was a survey conducted by Technometrica Institute of Policy and Politics that found that 75 of respondents who followed the story think that Clinton and her campaign advisors should be investigated for her role in the so-called Russiagate, Spygate, Obamagate. And that's according to several news reports. Among them, 66% are Democrats, a 20-point rise from last October when the same question was asked. 20 points from one year. About the same percentage of independent voters agreed that Clinton should be probed. And we're not talking about a Durham probe. And that 91% of Republicans say the same thing. So with this fallout happening, let's talk about little Jake Sullivan here. The self-professed lying liar. CJM61 says that uh, the tinfoil hats are 45 and O. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? I was I was trying to be conservative by saying 17 and 0, sir, but uh, it seems like every time we turn the corner, one of those conspiracy theories is becoming conspiracy fact, and it's quickly falling down around these known liars, and uh, I'm going to say it, treasonous SOBs, guys, like these turncoats. Seriously, guys, these communist sympathizers, I'm done, we're done with them, guys, I'm starting to get deja vu, goodness. 
Let's talk real quick about some fallout so we can wrap up tonight, guys. We're already in overtime. Thank you all for hanging out again tonight with us here at the Sea Report. Whether you're on Mr. C TV or you're over at uh, the Mr. C channel, uh, your presence is much appreciated. Now, let's talk about Jake Sullivan um, because everything that's coming out with the Durham investigation is starting to put pressure on this guy. And it's putting him in an uneasy light. Like that last article said, falsus and uno, falsus and everything. Okay. He's already a self-proclaimed liar. Can't believe he got away with it. Just the News writes this about Jake Sullivan. Latest Durham revelations put Biden's national security advisor in uneasy light. Jake Sullivan testified in 2017. It was absurd to suggest the Clinton campaign spread fake Russian information. Court evidence says otherwise. Special counsel John Durham's investigation is not just imposing accountability for Hillary Clinton's 2016 political trick to dirty up Donald Trump with the FBI. It's also encroaching on the credibility of President Biden's current chief foreign policy advisor and point man for the current Russia-Ukraine crisis. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan was a senior advisor to Clinton's 2016 campaign and by his own admission spread the word to reporters back then that Democrats believed Trump was colluding with Vladimir Putin to hijack the election and had a secret computer channel to the Kremlin. Neither proved to be true. But long before that Russia collusion narrative crumbled like a stale Starbucks muffin, Sullivan gave sworn testimony to the House Intelligence Committee disputing that anything the Clinton campaign spread around Washington was misinformation. Are you aware of any collusion, coordination, or conspiracy by yourself or by any other members of the campaign that you were working with to procure fake Russian information to harm Donald Trump? Sullivan was asked in, two, in December 2017. Sullivan responded without ambiguity, I mean... You will forgive me if I want to say more than just an emphatic no to that answer, because I find that totally absurd. But Durham's court filings in two cases last fall, one against Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman and the other against the primary source for the discredited Christopher Seale dossier, call into question that assertion. Both defendants are charged with lying to the FBI. Sullivan is not accused of wrongdoing, but court filings in those cases state that Sullivan, identified in the Sussman indictment only as a Clinton foreign policy advisor, engaged in email traffic with other Clinton campaign officials and lawyers about a story leaked to the news media suggesting Trump had a secret communication system with Russia via a computer server at the Moscow-based Alpha Bank. On or about September 15, 2016, campaign lawyer number one, that would be Mark Elias, exchanged emails with Clinton campaign's campaign manager, communications director, and foreign policy advisor, that would be one Jake Sullivan, concerning Russia Bank One, Alpha Bank, allegations that Sussman had recently shared with Reporter One. That's from the Sussman indictment. Campaign lawyer one, Mark Elias, oh, sorry, yeah, Mark Elias billed his time for this correspondence to the Clinton campaign with the billing entry, email correspondence with name of foreign policy advisor, Jake uh, Sullivan, name of campaign manager, and name of communications director. Now, who is that campaign manager? Wasn't that some guy by the name of Podesta? Am I wrong there? I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, audience. 
and name of communications director, response, Russian Bank One, Alpha Bank, article. That revelation places Sullivan squarely in the loop of conversations designed to spread a story that the FBI, former Russia special counsel Robert Mueller, and Durham's team all have deemed false. A month after those email conversations with the Trump-Clinton presidential race coming down to the wire, the story containing the Alpha Bank allegations surfaced in the mainstream news media in late October 2016. And it was Sullivan who jumped into action, issuing a statement adding legitimacy to the article's claim. This could be the most direct link yet between Donald Trump and Moscow, Sullivan said in the statement. Computer scientists have uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank. His statement also gave his boss, Hillary Clinton, the opportunity to retweet it. Computer science have aggressive... Okay, we're not going to reread it. Uh, but Clinton did crow that in an effort to get the media to cover the allegations. By the time Sullivan issued the statement, there was already substantial reason to doubt the article. The FBI was already telling this reporter and the New York Times that it had ruled out the secret communications channel and that the pings the computer researchers allegedly found could be explained by a basic marketing communication. Based somewhere in what? Like Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly. Durham's recent court filings reveal that some of the very computer executives who were advising the Clinton campaign and its lawyer on the allegations strongly doubted the conclusions themselves. Durham refers to emails between the various players who assisted the research that said they were looking simply for an inference or a very useful narrative that could make it look like Trump was in bed with Russia. But the tech company executives who led the effort himself wrote an email two months before the stories were published, casting doubt on the evidence. This from Rodney Jofer. I expressed, oh, uh, Rodney Jofer expressed his own belief that the Trump email.com domain, referring to the subject of the allegations that Sussman conveyed to the FBI, was not a secret communications channel with Russian Bank One, Alpha Bank, but a red herring, Durham wrote in the Sussman indictment. Other participants in the research expressed similar doubt. How do we plan to defend against the criticism that this is not spoofed traffic, one wrote in an August 22, 2016 email. So Durham court filings not only established the story was proven false, they also show there was reason to doubt it even before Sullivan lent his name and foreign policy credentials to it. The court filings so far provide no evidence Sullivan was told directly about the concerns, but experts told just the news that as the senior national security advisor to the Clinton campaign, he had, no, he had an obligation to check it out before spreading it to the media. If you're the national security advisor or you're the foreign policy advisor for presidential campaign, presidential candidate secretary Hillary Clinton, you've got to be able to look at the information and vet it before you make a conclusion, said Daniel Hoffman, a respected CIA officer who was the agency's station chief in Moscow. He never challenged his own assumption and he never challenged the information that he was receiving. Former House Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunes said he has concerns about the accuracy of Sullivan's testimony back in 2017 and the fact that today he serves as Biden's national security advisor. 
So could he be lying about Russia trying to attack Ukraine? Falsus and Uno. It says here, um, Nunes recently retired. Oh, we know he's working for Truth Social. Well, it sure does not look like it, Nunes said when asked about whether Sullivan's testimony was accurate because he was one of the pro- propagandists that was out there all through the 2016 election that was promoting this, promoting this in great detail. Look, that seems like everybody who was involved in the Russia hoax was actually promoted. So if you were in the Obama White House and you participated in the hoax, you got a major promotion. You got a new job. Representative Lee Zeldin, another lawmaker who played a role in exposing the falsehoods in the Russia collusion narrative, said Sullivan should face investigation to determine what he knows. Just because you're getting paid by Hillary Clinton, just because you are Hillary Clinton or you're associated with Hillary Clinton, you don't get some free pass from the justice system, Zeldin told Just the News. Again, this is also showing the two-party justice system, right? Brian Steckloff, the attorney who represented Sullivan at the 2017 deposition, did not immediately return a call Monday seeking comment. In his 2017 testimony, Sullivan argued he was justified in pushing the Trump narrative because the Clinton campaign felt under attack by Russia after allegations of hacked emails surfaced in the summer of 2016. In the end, every investigation that looked at the collusion allegations concluded there was none between Trump and Russia, although U.S. officials believe Moscow on its own did engage in hacking and leaking the Clinton-related emails. Beyond the legal implications, experts said Sullivan's role in spreading a now-disproven allegation against a campaign rival could undercut his credibility with U.S. allies in his current role as Biden's national security advisor, especially during the current Russia-Ukraine crisis. I'm willing to say that Russia has clearly undercut Sullivan's role during this current Russia-Ukraine crisis. Russia has undercut all of them, ladies and gentlemen, and proven exactly how far this media will go to spin and how far out on the line NATO and the deep state department will go to push us to war. Uh, It's a beautiful thing, guys. It is a beautiful thing. Okay. All right. So Sullivan. Drop in trow, Sullivan. Drop in trow. It ain't pretty. Hey, WC Cranop, thank you for gifting the cookie over there. Thank you for gifting the two cookies. We got uh, oatmeal, raisin, walnut, cranberry. Oh, sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, guys. All right. What do we got next on the menu for you all? We're almost... I keep saying we're almost done. (laughs) All right. Give me about... Yeah. Give me about 20 more minutes and we'll wrap this up, guys. Because we have more fallout I want to touch on before we move on. Yeah, Cloudwatcher says false flag incoming. In fact, wasn't it all Ned Price, you know... Bent over the podium, Ned Price, that was talking about a false flag. You guys, we went over the DHS uh, uh, terror alert about, I don't know, last week, okay? The DHS terror alert on misinfo, disinfo, they clearly telegraphed their next move, okay? They are going to do a false flag if they can get away with it. 
Like, they already put us on notice. We're on this notice until June, apparently. So, uh, Fallout, CIA. What did the CIA know? When did they know? And how are they involved? And how does this all get tied into the John Durham investigation? I smell a rat and his name is Brennan. Hmm. All right. Let's see what the CIA has to say about this. Now, this article is from the Epoch Times, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Epoch Times. CIA relayed early warnings on Clinton plot to vilify Trump. Well, those are some pretty strong words, Epoch Times, to say about the uh, CIA. I mean, the CIA, that's one three-letter agency we can all trust, right? Ha! It says here, Sullivan, and this is also pertaining to Jake Sullivan, Sullivan's role as a major promoter of the false Alpha Bank allegations is all the more notable in light of a declassified CIA memo that was sent to former FBI Director James Comey and then Deputy Assistant Director of Counterintelligence Peter Strzok in September 2016. That memo detailed the intercept of information that Hillary Clinton had purportedly approved a plan concerning U.S. presidential candidate Donald Trump and Russian hackers hampering U.S. elections as a means of distracting the public from her use of a private email server. The contents of the memo were buttressed by the release of handwritten notes taken by then-CIA director John Brennan at a July 28, 2016 meeting with then-President Barry Sotero. The notes show that Brennan shared intelligence with Obama that Clinton had approved a proposal from one of her foreign policy advisors to vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by the Russian Security Service. Comey appears to have been present at the debriefing, and might I add, those handwritten notes were just declassified, y'all. Okay. Durham's indictment of Sussman, along with his subsequent court filings, now confirmed that the intelligence Brennan shared with Obama was correct. There was a plan to vilify Trump, and that plan was being carried out by Clinton associates such as Sussman and Rodney Joffe. And the CIA's description of Clinton's foreign policy advisor, Jake Sullivan, would appear to match Sullivan's working title at the time. The timing of Brennan's briefing is significant because it came only three days before the FBI officially opened its crossfire hurricane investigation into the alleged ties between the Trump campaign and Russia. This also raises questions as to why the Clinton campaign was not investigated by the FBI. Hmm. Durham's indictment also notes that Sussman took the Alpha Bank allegations along with additional allegations which stemmed from Joffe's surveillance of Trump's internet activities at the White House to the CIA on February 9th, 2017. That meeting, which appears to have involved several agency employees, is all the more notable given the CIA's memo to the FBI regarding allegations that Clinton had approved the plan to vilify Trump. There is the uh, King Goblin himself, former CIA director John Brennan. It does not appear that the CIA opened its own investigation or prompted the FBI to do so in the aftermath of the meeting with Sussman. Curiously, by this time, the Alpha Bank allegations were public and had been investigated by the FBI, which had quickly refuted them. 
The additional allegations comprised DNS lookups that allegedly demonstrated that Trump and or his associates were using supposedly rare Russian-made wireless phones in the vicinity of the White House and other locations. In fact, as Durham explains, Sussman and Jaffe failed to disclose that there were millions of such lookups from the U.S. internet addresses, and the fact that some of them occurred in the vicinity of the White House was meaningless. Given the FBI's earlier dismissal of Sussman's Alpha Bank data and the easily debunked Russian phone allegations, it seems surprising that the CIA did not contact the FBI or instigate an investigation into who was behind the false allegations, particularly when Sussman was known within the intelligence community circles to be tied to the Clinton campaign. The fact that the FBI, um, sorry, the fact that the February 9th allegations included information gleaned from Trump's White House DNS traffic should have alerted the intelligence community that the allegations originated with Jaffe. This matter is particularly unsettling. If the FBI or CIA became aware that the data had originated with Jaffe, it would seem equally likely that they would have been aware of the manner by which Jaffe came by the data. Jaffe's access to highly sensitive data disregarded by the CIA and the FBI. What do we say here, guys? The cover-up is always worse than the crime. Ladies and gentlemen, and uh, I think that cover-up, they could lend itself to uh, proving intent. I'm sure you guys may or may not agree with me on that one. You might have noticed. Uh, okay, so we're going we're gonna to move off of Joffe because, um, well, Joffe Joe Fur over here is having a terrible, terrible, terrible year so far, I'm sure. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, this article talks about him having security clearances and the way he was able to finagle access to all of that, uh, all of those equipments and the, the data and the DNS and all of those uh, lookups and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> Obamagate, ladies and gentlemen, what did Obama know and when did he know it? According to what they just shared with us here, and we know this, of course, because we've known about John Brennan's handwritten notes and this meeting he had. And, and don't forget, guys, illegitimate Joe, President-elect Biden, was also present at that meeting, okay? All of them were there. All of them, okay? Every single one of them. Okay, uh, I, think this is, uh, this, I think this is one of the last articles I got Ex-director of National Intelligence claims Biden and Obama knew about Hillary campaign campaign. Yeah, she was campaigning, wasn't she? About her campaign plot to hack Trump servers. Enough evidence in Durham's Russia probe to indict multiple people. Fallout, guys. Fallout. All right. We're almost there, guys. We're 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 in we're in the end zone here. Trump-era director of national intelligence John Ratcliffe says Joe Biden and Barack Obama knew Hillary Clinton's campaign was trying to hack into Trump's servers to try and find links to the Kremlin. Ratcliffe said former CIA director John Brennan told Obama, the then president and vice president, 
at the time, Biden in 2016 about allegations Clinton was trying to fabricate Trump's links to Russia to distract from the scandal over her deleted emails. The former DNI also told Fox News Digital on Monday there is enough evidence to indict multiple people and special counsel John Durham's probe into the origins of the Russia investigation into ex-president, uh, their words, not mine, into President Donald Trump. It follows Durham's bombshell claims in legal filings over the weekend that Clinton's campaign paid a firm to target servers in Trump Tower to create a fake scandal while he was still in office. Clinton allegedly approved in the 2016 election a plan concerning U.S. presidential candidate Donald Trump and Russian hackers hampering U.S. elections as a means of distracting the public from her use of a private email server, according to a CIA counterintelligence operational lead first revealed when a heavily redacted version became declassified in October 2020. The September 2016 memo was forwarded from the CIA to the FBI to the attention of then-FBI Director James Comey and then-Deputy Assistant Director of Counterintelligence Peter Strzok, the FBI lover who had a relationship with Lisa Page. Trump sent a short statement Monday morning with feelings of vindication after Durham's filings revealed Clinton's plot to link him to Russia. And we'll read that in a little bit, guys. DailyMail.com reached out to an Obama spokesperson regarding the alleged briefing but did not get a response. White House Deputy Press Secretary Karen Jean-Pierre was asked about the Ratcliffe claims during Monday's briefing and referred reporters to the Justice Department for all questions related to the Durham report. Ah, why do they have these? Hey, W.C. Cranop, check out these swamp creatures. What you think about that? Anyways, Brennan was questioned by special counsel John Durham's team for eight hours in August of 2020 as part of the ongoing investigation, specifically focusing on whether the former CIA director pushed for a more blunt assessment of Russia's motivations. Ratcliffe told Durham, sources told Fox News, that the indictments could be connected to Clinton's lawyer hacking Trump's server to try and fabricate ties to campaign and the Kremlin in order to distract from her own emails. Now, I'll never forget that, y'all. Do you guys remember when Durham questioned Brennan? That was like, he's taken in Brennan. We know Brennan is a treasonous SOB. We know Brennan has done some dirty work against America. And then Brennan's spokesperson comes out and says that he is not being implicated in this probe. Well, you know, in order to fry that big fish, you know, Durham probably needed to uh, take the appropriate steps to catch that fish. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but now Brennan's name is getting thrown out in here, guys, and everyone's going to be looking at it. Okay. Now, um, let's see here. How the liberal media outlets that relentlessly pushed Russian collusion smear have totally ignored Brennan's revelation that Hillary spied on Trump. Okay, so now we're up, we're, we're pretty much caught up to speed, guys. These stories have been going out, ladies and gentlemen, for the past couple of days. More than that, three days or more now. And we haven't heard anything. I mean, yeah, Fox News might throw us a bone here and there, but no one is touching this with a 50-foot pole, right? No one is touching this. So uh, let's see. This article talks about this. I have a better one, though. We'll, we'll skip over this part. We'll go to... Uh, whoops. <laughs> we'll go here, ladies and gentlemen. 
obsolete. Oh, a lesson in obsolescence. Final article for tonight, ladies and gentlemen, comes from Breitbart. Oh, wait, let's read that statement from President Trump. Okay, we got we got to share this last statement. This is this is this is an I love you. Happy Valentine's Day. President Trump statement, guys. Let's see what he had to say. This is our victory lap. Everybody get ready to throw a party. Now, President Trump says, can you imagine that? What should be the biggest story of our time? Bigger than Watergate is getting absolutely no mention. Zero in the New York Times, the Washington Compost, ABC Fake News, NBC Fake News, CBS Fake News, Ratings Dead, CNN, and MSDNC. This in itself is a scandal. The fact that a story so big, so powerful, and so important for the future of our nation is getting zero coverage from lamestream, is being talked about all over the world. Just like they would not talk about the many Biden corruption scandals prior to the election, or for that matter now, they won't talk about this, which is potentially even bigger. It shows how totally corrupt and shameless the media is. Can you imagine if the roles were reversed and the Republicans, in particular President Donald Trump, got caught illegally spying into the office of the president? All hell would break loose, and the electric chair would immediately come out of retirement. The good news is, everybody is talking not only about this atrocity against our nation, but that the press refuses to even mention this major crime that took place. You spread those articles, ladies and gentlemen. You spread those news reports, ladies and gentlemen. Share the link to tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. Throw an independent journalist a freaking bone. <laughs> Throw President Trump a bone. I mean, it's amazing, guys. Uh, the the uh, immensity of everything that is happening right now. It's the great conjunction, ladies and gentlemen. When the Durham investigation and election fraud and decertification and uh, what else do we got here? What what, what am I missing? I know there's more stuff going on here. This great conjunction. (laughs) We have all of these truths lining up right now. All of these truths lining up right now. I, I, you know, I I have a list here of everything that they're trying to cover over. And I'm just so, yeah, guys. This is insane, okay? This is why they need that war. This is why the deep state department, NATO, and all of the Western black globalist propaganda organizations went out of their way to push this tension between Ukraine and Russia, who have been saying for weeks, Russia's not going to attack us. And Russia's like, we're not going to attack Ukraine. Uh, we got troops here because you keep putting military power closer and closer to our border. And that's a security issue for us. You know, they needed this war, guys. And now it seems like, at least as of today, Putin has taken the wind out of their sails (coughs) by returning military power or weapons back to Russia from Belarus. 
Now, that's not the kind of move you make when you're going to uh, invade a country from three different sides of its uh, borders, right? Boy, did he make NATO and America look like fools. Boy, did he make the media look like fools. Don't say I didn't tell you so, audience, because uh, when this Russia collude, when this Russia Ukraine Ukraine conflict first started, I said it on day one, day one. And it's not because I can predict things; it's because I look at. We have a common enemy, the globalists, the elitist, transhumanist, communist pieces of filth. Russia does not like them. And the American people of this republic do not like them. They are a common enemy. You understand that, you understand geopolitics. It's not a hard equation to follow. It is almost as simple as one plus one equals two. (laughs) Throw a variable in there, I guess. But come on, guys. All right. Anyways, okay. Last story. And we're done here, y'all. Media ignores Durham investigation of Hillary Clinton's operatives allegedly spying on Trump. Don't forget, I'm a layman, guys. I'm not, I'm not college educated. So uh, if I can figure it out, what the heck's up with all those and the degrees, right? The establishment media ignored news over the weekend from the John Durham probe that allegedly Hillary Clinton's campaign operatives spied on Donald Trump's 2016 campaign and presidency. After the revelations of Hillary Clinton's alleged shenanigans broke early Saturday morning, the New York Times, the Washington Compost, the Wall Street Journal, CBS News, NBC News, and ABC News all ignored one of the largest political scandals of the past 10 years. On Monday morning, Rasmussen Reports announced the Associated Press, New York Times, Washington Compost, and the Wall Street Journal had continued for 48 hours to ignore the scandalous scandal. It is not just a scandal, guys. It is a scandalous scandal. A scandalo in another language. Instead, the article says, the publications preferred to direct readers' attention to the Super Bowl and the Olympics happening in communist China. In the past, the establishment media have acknowledged Durham's investigation as a distraction with no real evidence. John Durham's... Oh, that's a caption. There's no real evidence, CBS reporter Leslie Stahl, who's stalling the truth, said in 2020. This is 60 Minutes. (laughs) We can't put things on that we can't verify. CNN's Don Lemon told disgraced former CNN anchor Chris Cuomo, in 2019, the investigation is BS and unbelievable. Nothing happens and they just move on to the next conspiracy theory, Don Lemon said. It is never going to end. And guess what? People who want to believe that BS are going to believe it. What's coming out of your, wor- your mouth now, Mr. Don Lemon? MSDNC's Rachel Madcow also poo-pooed. Oh, speaking of com- things coming out of people's mouth, Rachel Madcow also poo-pooed the scandal in October. Maybe that's why she's on vacation, right? Maybe she's, maybe she's facing a grand jury also. She says, it's a boomerang because it's apparently an ongoing concentrated Republican and pro-Trump project to try to turn the investigation of the Russia scandal into some kind of scandal itself, folks. Rasmussen polling revealed last week the majority of voters, 58%, believe the establishment is the enemy of the people. Reportedly, additional revelations are to be issued from the Durham probe. Former Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe told 
Fox News on Sunday. On Monday, more indictments may be forthcoming. Donald Trump believes Durham's probe will prove his campaign and presidency were spied on by operatives paid by the Hillary Clinton campaign and that operatives should be subject to criminal prosecution. That is a very satisfying report, at least for me, guys. I don't know how it was for you guys, but that was pretty good for me, okay? (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of our show for tonight, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Sea Report. Thank you for being here on a Tuesday evening. I most definitely appreciate y'all once again. From my heart to yours, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, What do we got coming up? We'll be back tomorrow again, as always. Now, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow we will be on early, okay? We will be on early. Oh, and I have one more piece of exciting information for you all. Uh, We will have in-house, well, we'll have in-studio, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West will be joining us here on the Sea Report on Friday evening, guys. So if you guys have, uh, if you guys are Texas voters, particularly speaking, let everybody know. Spread the word. Um, we did confirm an interview with the Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. So Friday's Sea Report will be a special episode. We'll have him for a few minutes, and uh, you know we'll we'll get to uh, speak with the Colonel. I'm I'm act- very excited for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to it most definitely. As we move into elections coming up on Tuesday here in the great state of Texas. Be aware, ladies and gentlemen, be aware. Primary season is here, guys. We got to make that move. All right, y'all. Y'all have a great night once again. And uh, we will see you guys tomorrow. As always, ladies and gentlemen, be safe, be blessed. And God bless America. We will see you tomorrow.